What's going on, everybody? JP here, back with another, I guess, bonus episode, or our first bonus episode, or mini shots. Not really sure what we're calling this, but you'll see in the title. Uh, it is me from Southwest PA, joined with the one and only Jeremy from 45 Minutes Outside of Chicago. Moods is not with us tonight. He's actually at a convention right now, giving out 22 <laughs> shots cards. In Calgary. <laughs> Yeah, in Calgary. He's, so he's whoring those T-shirt sales, bro. Yep. And Jeremy's here. We're gonna talk a little cinema apocalypse, which we had mentioned on the previous episode, I think. And this is basically yeah, the one before the one with gay ass Brandon. Okay. The one before that. So far, for being <laughs> professional. That's all right. Oh shit. That's all right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, this is, uh, something that I was looking forward to a ton. Uh, Jeremy got to go to basically a film fest in Chicago called Cinema Apocalypse, which has been going on for a couple of years now and seems to be continuing next year. I believe they announced. Yeah, buddy. So, uh, this is basically going to be his review of the festival. I know he went, uh, a handful of days, watched what, 16, 18. 18, 18 films and a bunch of shorts, um, yeah. all different stuff from older films to brand new films to, wasn't there a couple of even world premieres there? A whole bunch of world premieres. A whole bunch of world premieres. A lot of North American premieres, a lot of films with the directors in person and uh, some fun things and uh, some not so good things not too many not so good things but there was a couple movies that were pretty not good but uh i think everybody uh who watched this who went to this festival got two things out of it for one uh fair fair tiga fair fair tiga however the hell you pronounce it which is uh glenn danzig's movie that he made of course from uh the misfits is now being held as a brand new best worst movie ever made and um, I didn't go because it was one movie and I wasn't going to drive two hours to go see one movie. But from what I've heard from many people, this movie is absolutely god fucking awful. That's what I've heard. And um, But with it being so awful, they, uh, you know, Glenn Danzig supposedly was very, very uh, compassionate about what he did, very similar to – Tommy was Sue in the room. You know, he was very passionate about what he did. And, you know, he put his heart and his soul into the movie, supposedly. And even though the movie was complete ass bags, um, people are saying it's like, you know, the new best world, best worst movie. And then when it comes out, uh, I just read like yesterday that it was supposed to come out uh, on VOD in October at some point from <laughs> some unknown person name. And then Phantom Offense was going to pick it up to release it for like one of those one day kind of things. And uh, that should be interesting. Nonetheless, I think um, if they release this like nationwide for that one night kind of thing, I'm, I have a feeling people are going to be quite pissed off about what they're going <laughs> to see. Because supposedly there's supposed to be like a five minute shot of somebody looking into a mirror and it's supposed to be this like complete ass bags but like he was like super passionate like during the q a he's like i don't know why you guys were laughing at this part i didn't really oh think my god funny. you're kidding me so he was yeah. actually it's one of those cases where like he's not in on the joke like no like people he actually thought he made a good oh movie and he's like boy. and he was like oh i didn't think that was funny i guess you guys took it a different way and things like that but like <laughs> he was supposed to be supposed to be like so passionate about it like during his q a he's like 
you know, he all he went through hell to make the movie and everything like that. And, uh, you know, it was supposed to be absolutely hilarious. And when Gar did their couple uh, things during the festival, they were just like just ripping them. The movie was supposed to be god awful, but uh, I guess we'll see in October whenever it comes out on VOD. But uh, I went Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. I missed Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday because, for one, the Cubs and the White Sox were playing, and the music box is like a block and a half away from Wrigley Field. And I wasn't going to deal with the whole city of Chicago fucking going to see a baseball game. It wasn't going to be worth it to see because on like Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, they start to repeat movies and you may maybe show one or two new movies because everything else is just already been seen on one of the other days. So I missed a couple movies, but I still saw a boatload of films that I'm going to be talking to you guys about. And uh, I'm just very appreciative to everybody over from Cinema Apocalypse for giving me a chance to come and cover the festival had a really, really great time. Um, Music Box is, of course, one of my favorite theaters here in Chicago. I talk about it all the time. I talk about it during my 24-hour horror marathon in October, which is my favorite event of the year. I've been going now for close to a decade, and uh, it's always the one thing I look forward to every year. So I knew that the Music Box was going to put on an awesome event. And as JB said, this is the third year yet they're doing it. And, um, yeah, and the guy from Finnegar Syndrome wants to say that uh, – JP asked them for free movies, and that's about it from Finnegar Syndrome. They were one of the uh, sponsors, and I was wearing the 22-shot shirt. And I'm going up, and I'm looking at his movies, and he looks at my shirt. He's like, oh, is that a podcast? I go, oh, yeah, yeah, it's my podcast. He's like, oh, yeah, I think when you guys have messaged me for some movies. I go, well, it clearly wasn't me because uh, I gave a bad review to one of their movies, which is absolutely horrible. It's an awful movie. Uh, but I praised their transfers and their features and everything like that, but I guess they still didn't like me uh, bashing Nightmare Weekend. But um, they knew who we were, so that was pretty cool. You know, that's a plus, JP. Yeah, At least and didn't you who... say he asked you if your name was Justin? Yeah, yeah, it's like, because as I said, like he was like, oh, is that your podcast? I think somebody messaged me Justin or something. I was like, oh, yeah, that's my co-host. So at least he wasn't talking about me. Yeah, cause yeah I, I've talked to that dude a few thing. times, and um... – he uh, like every once in a while I'll hit him up and, and see if they have anything that they want reviewed or whatever. Because I love reviewing those specific titles because they're really interesting. They put out like the coolest stuff, but I also but, like, buy a lot that, of like, their titles too. Just like talking to him, the guy's like thirty. He's living the life. He's fucking getting all these movies and releasing them. And it's like, man, that's a life. He gets to go and find all these rare and bizarre films, and him and his buddies get to put them in machines and restore them. And it's like. He's such a young dude, and he's doing all these awesome things for all these, you know, super bizarre and weird movies that probably would never get a release or has a bad release from Trauma or whoever. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I think mean, there's a couple of guys that run Vinegar Syndrome, and they're all like friends, and like I think they're all like his age. So yeah, and he's like, oh yeah, I had people bitching at me about the sale that they had. <laughs> last week and he's like i barely was able to come because we were packing up movies so much and like they're clearly doing it by themselves and like he's like i would have been able to get them done faster if people weren't messaging me all the time asking where their movies was because i guess it was taking them a little bit yeah. to pack them all out and ship them out so it's like they just remember to, they, guys should, like, that's where you should have been like guy why don't you hire me to respond to all your emails yeah <laughs> that's how you get jobs 
Well, it's not that. It's just like I don't think people realize like they're super small and like it's yeah, just they, like a they few look guys. at them like they're fucking shout factory or something. This yeah. massive, you know, thing, and it's really just a couple of guys. <laughs> yeah, like ample warehouse movies, and they're the ones that are pulling everything and putting them in boxes and everything. So it's like. I couldn't imagine how long it would take them. I mean, it took me t- 10 hours to package 50 shirts. I can only imagine. I mean, because they said that they're like, they sold more movies than they did on Black Friday. And I was I'm like, happy to hear. I'm crazy. glad that they're doing so well. You know <laughs> yeah, I mean? me too. They do some, they do some awesome. I awesome know. I, I try to pick up a few things on every sale. Of course, like I've gotten some stuff for review and things like that, but I, I do try to support them because I, I think that they, I think their transfers are the best in the game. It's in, it's insane what, yeah. how they make some of these movies look. But um, that's because you cool. would have to like assume like the elements are probably not in the best shape because yeah. who the fuck cares about the uninvited or any of these other movies that like are thrown in a trash can when they're made and nobody really cares. But they somehow make them look like amazing movies. I don't know. I. Finnegar Syndrome's awesome. But um, Bloody Disgustings was a sponsor. Like I said, Finnegar Syndrome, Fangoria, Orion. Orion did like a really cool thing. Like they made a like a child's play pop-up bar kind of thing in one of the lounges and they decked it out with, you know, buddy boxes and they had a uh you know, one of those full size buddy dolls that they're giving away from one of their promotions that we've seen like Oh, take a picture with the life-size standee box and win a, you know, buddy figure or buddy, you know, model, whatever, and they have one of them. It doesn't look too bad. I had to say, I haven't seen the movie yet, unfortunately. I'm going to see it tomorrow, Mm -hmm. Monday. But it looked way better in person than it did in a picture. Well, as somebody who saw the movie, I think that people are confusing the concept because in the – you know, child's play film of the eighties and nineties and two thousands, I guess. But like he starts turning more human as the film goes. So whenever, like there's certain scenes where, you know, he's, his face is all like, almost looks like skin and stuff. Well, this film, it's a robot, you know what I mean? It's it's just a doll. So like realistically, it looks like a, uh, a plastic toy doll. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and it, that's what it's supposed to be. So, I think that once people actually see the movie and and kind of understand the idea behind it, it's it it makes more sense that it does it. It looks that way. Mm. But, um, yeah, that's cool, man. It's awesome that they in, invited or you know gave you a, a press pass and stuff. Yep. And hopefully that means that you know. You go back next year and and maybe I'll try to come too or something because uh, that just sounds fun. It sounds like it's gonna m- maybe continue to get bigger, um, as it seems like it's. Yeah, it was pretty good. Like the turnouts for most movies are pretty good. Couple the theater seats eight hundred, so there was at least like two to three hundred people in every screening, which is pretty good, even for like some of these you know newer kind of films. Yeah. Uh, now, could people go and just see one movie? Yep. So, like, just people off the street. Correct. If they wanted to, yeah. Or people could come see. A lot of people just came and saw Total Recall, and a lot of people just came to see Tammy and the T-Rex, of course, and many people came to see Mr. Joe Bob. So did you, did just, you like, go last year at all? No, nah, it's the first time I went. All right. Do you remember any of the lineup? Like, was the lineup this year better than last year? 
let's find out. Let me. All right, he's oh, gonna yeah. look at that real quick. But I think that it's really cool that you know to see like bloody disgusting covering things and um, vinegar syndrome there. That's All right, awesome. so 2018 we had the domestics, which I liked. It was on my top ten. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a world premiere last year. Boogeyman Pop. I haven't seen that one. Haven't heard of that one. Empathy Inc. Haven't heard of that one. Gags. Haven't heard of that one. Malicious. That is. Haven't heard of that one. <laughs> Await further instructions. That one was put out by Dark Sky. I'm pretty sure. I think yeah. that's like a. Uh, I think I bought that at Family Video. Yeah, here it is. Released by shit, unprofessional. Released by uh, Dark Sky, so you can pick that up. That came out. Uh, Hover, haven't heard of it. The Russian Bride, haven't heard of it. The appara- the appearance, haven't heard of that. The Brink, no, 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 no. <laughs> so no. it seems like just based off of that. Puppet Master, the new Puppet Master. That, that's a pretty big one. It seems like they're trying every year to do bigger and cooler things. Summer of 84. Good. Oh, okay, that's a good one. What Keeps You Alive, that was IFC Midnight. Uh, Bound, that was, uh, that's from 96. Juice, Tales from the Crypt, Percents Demon Knight. Oh, that's awesome. So, uh, Howard the Duck, Dr. X. So, and- it's, it's interesting that they do a mix of, like, old films... Well, they're like a genre festival, so you're not going to like see just like purely horror films. You know, you're going to see films from a bunch of different genres. So, you know, they showed Total Recall. Clearly not a horror film, but it's a genre film. Um, and Tammy and the T-Rex. Well, it was filmed as a horror film, but there's a lot of genre films, but they show a lot of, you know um, – psychological dramas and things like that that you normally wouldn't see at a you know uh sci-fi horror festival like fantastic fest but you would probably see it like south by southwest and things like that but um you know it's a big a big uh splish splash of a lot of different genre movies mm-hmm. so i guess with that said uh hopefully um, they do even bigger and better things next year. Hopefully you can get invited back. Um, hopefully I could maybe make my venture down there. Um, that would be kind of cool. But, uh, with that said, if you don't have anything else, we could start getting into these movies and start with day one. No. Oops. I'm just talking to nobody. God damn it. Anyway. Day one. I'm at, they're probably not going to invite you back. <laughs> That's all right. You know, I got to be as unprofessional as I can. So, um, so day one, we have a film from Mexico. A couple Mexican films uh, played this year. This one's interesting. It's like half Spanish, half American. I'll get into it in a minute. It's called Bezel Booth, Bezel Buff. Are you t- is that the one that's called Beelzebub? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's like that means like Satan or something. Yeah, it has like a. That's uh, where that's where Bill's. You know the filmmaker Beelzebub. That's not his real name. Yeah. Oh, really? That's where it came from. Yeah. He's Satan. Well, his movies are Satan to yeah. watch. So. Uh, if you watch Dick Shark more than once, you already know what you're gonna get. But uh, Beelzebub is like a, um, like I said, it's like a devil kind of creature. And one day, this police officer who is 
about to have a newborn baby is at the hospital going to visit this baby, his baby who was just born, and the baby was officially officiously uh, murdered by a uh, a nurse. And they go there, you know, they fucking stab a baby like eight times, and there's blood splurting everywhere and things like that. This movie has a lot of children killing, a lot, a lot of kids getting murdered. Um, so this police officer is now trying to investigate uh, who murdered his son and as the film goes on there's more and more of these uh children getting murdered uh around the state of state the country of mexico um you know one gets killed in a school shooting um uh, one gets blown up by a car bomber and as we find out there is uh tobin bell's character plays tobin bells in this movie um he talks very much like jigsaw but he's in this movie so he is a priest that was banished from the Vatican, um, and he ultimately links all these killings to some kind of possession that's happening. And uh, he ultimately uh, tells this police officer that it's Beelzebub, 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 and um, you know they have to come together to try and fight this demon. And as they ultimately learned, is that this uh, demon is going around trying to kill all these kids because there is now a new messiah that was born. But this demon doesn't know who it is. So basically what he is, he's going around and he's murdering all these kids, hopefully saying that he gets lucky and he ends up murdering this new messiah that was born. So it's this Tobin Bell's character trying to protect this child and, um, you know, and working with the secret agent, stuff like that. It's a very... uh, pretty generic possession movies i don't like possession films whatsoever i've said it before i mean i don't like a lot of things i don't like zombie movies i don't like possession films i don't like period pieces that's not true but uh you know it's a pretty generic possession film i think tobin bell does a good enough job as like this creepy priest he has like all these tattoos on his face and things like that he plays that creepy kind of character pretty well but um i ultimately feel like this movie while it has some good ideas, like it's cool to see a bunch of kids getting murdered. Like a lot of movies don't actually go there, but to seeing like kids get like blown up by bombs and stuff. I know JP, when I was watching this, I was like, JP would love this movie because he loves children getting murdered. And this yeah. movie has its fair share of children getting murdered. Um, the set design is actually pretty good. It has like towards the end of the film, they're like in like these underground tunnels and things like that. And, uh, it's very claustrophobic, and there's some cool set design going on towards the end of the movie. But like I said, it's a pretty generic, uh, religious overtone kind of movie. I gave it a six. Um, you know, it's it's not like like I said the greatest film out there, but um, I think if I think it's on Amazon Prime right now, actually. So if you want to <laughs> really? check it out, yeah. If you want to check it out, go ahead. Uh, it's technically fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just I wasn't the right. It only has six reviews though. Yeah, uh, this was a North American premiere, so it must have shown somewhere else outside of the country. Well, it, well it, outside it was, of Mex- it was in Mexico. Like it, it, it's uh, had a Mexican release, I believe. Like a those lying bitches. Then that's not yeah, a North cool. American premiere. Then. Oh Mexico's yeah, so. North American. Those lying bastards. No, I'm just joking, but um. I give this one a six. Like I said, it, it has some interesting things going on, but I wasn't overly impressed with it. 
so that's the first one I watched. Okay, so um, what did you rate that? Six. Six. Starting um, off with a six. It did sound kind of cool based on the description, but I could totally see. So the thing with possession films is you do got to – they do tend to get very generic. It's hard to make like sort of a unique one in, in today's time. Um, and there's multiple kinds of possession films, right? Like there's like possession like Night of the Demons, which is like awesome. Yeah. And then there's possession like The Exorcist. Demons, yeah. yeah. It's like – it's like the demons ones, like taking control of people's bodies and like the power of Christ, you know, holy water, skin burning kind of thing. And uh, that's the kind of formula that this one uh, follows. Okay, so that was your first film. And then now l- let me ask you this. So when yeah. you get there, do, do, did you get there and the film started right away or did you like have some time to? Uh, well, the first movie on Friday was at – uh 2:15 p.m. yeah and so you got there and like 1:30 did you get how did you get your pass did they like email it to you or? uh no it's like a physical pass like it's legit okay. like you go you, you, you go to the box office it. you say oh yeah That's you go cool. to the box office you say oh i'm here to pick up a press pass Named Jeremy Freeman from the Twenty Two Shots of Moods and Horror. She looks does on her sheet. <laughs> when you say that out loud, does it make you feel dumb? Well, she went, "Oh, that's you." Like I didn't deserve a press patch or anything. <laughs> so I go, "Yeah, that's me." Do so you not gives, see the shirt that I'm wearing? <laughs> yeah, so she gives you the badge, and then every day when you walked in, you would go to the box office. You would show the badge, and they would give you a stub for every movie. Oh, so in case cool. you wanted to leave and come back, you just show them the stub, but. Most of them would just see that you have a pass around your neck, and that means that you could see every movie, yeah. so they usually just let you in. But um, I liked how they give you a stub because I love keeping my keeping stubs them, yeah. to all these movies that I see. So Yeah, when uh, I, I first got the – I keep them too even though I think they're trash. Like movie ticket stubs are just so awful yeah. compared to how they're they are like were paper I, now. Yeah. Like remember when they used to be like – cardstock yeah they were so good and they lasted you know they didn't fade that much if you took care of them and i know you save yours i just started kind of saving mine but i don't even know a good way to protect them um but anyway uh i didn't know with the um amc stubs thing that you can get yeah you go to the machine and it types in your confirmation code and spews your stub out yeah because i at first i used to just go to the movie theater and then they would just scan my phone yeah and then no, I don't do yeah that. i learned i don't do it anymore but i i learned yeah. that you can because i was bummed about that because i like getting the stubs too so anyway after you get the press pass then you go in um and and pick a seat or whatever is yeah there, are you in a designated area uh you can pick any seat you want i usually always sit in the back row in the middle because uh, I don't know. I'm a loser, and I like to sit in the back. And uh, so you in my can look opinion, at your phone and not disturb people. Oh, <laughs> well, that too. I could do that. And uh, with like the music box, like their seats are like slanted down, so you, the person's head's not too much in front of you because it's slanted. Mm-hmm. So if you sit all the way in the back, it's like because when you sit down in your seats, it kind of feels slanted because it really is at a slant. So in the back, it's like the last two rows are like flat. So I just like sitting in the back anyway, and mm-hmm. uh, see, I like sitting either in the back, but I don't. I like if I'm in the back, I want to sit. If I'm not in the back, I want to sit on the end. I don't really like sitting in the middle because I, I if I want to go to the bathroom, which I normally don't or anything, but I just I like having the freedom to. Well, besides like the the 
Tammy and the T-Rex and Total Recall. I was the only one who sat back there the entire time. Like nobody else sat in my row the entire time. And I just like, you know, I like to put my arms up, you know, against the wall and stuff like that. Next year you're going to have business cards that you can give out too. So (laughs) I'll just plop them on the table. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, Okay, so that that was the first film, and then now after it ends, what happens? Is there so after it ends, um, you know, they come in, clean up the theater quick. Uh, people with passes, they don't kick out or anything like that. Um, I mean, for the big movies, or like for movies that they go from digital to let's say Total Recall for seventy millimeter, they would kick people out so they could do tests so the you know, the film projector was right and everything like that. But um, for everything else, they would just leave you be and let you sit in there for whatever. And, and would you sit in there? Or would you get up and walk around? Because I, I would not want to sit in there for multiple movies in a row without walking around. Well, I would get up and walk around and uh, then go back in and sit down. But So uh, between how much time does movie like the well, it depends. Like uh, For all the digital movies, it's like, 20 to 25 minutes and then for like between let's say a digital film and total recall it was like an hour or something uh so it just depends you know so most of these movies have q and a's after from the filmmakers or yeah, that's cool. people who were associated with the film Bezel bub bill sabub had one but I, to be honest i don't remember what the hell the guy said but um you know they have q and a's afterwards and some go longer than others, so it just all depends on that and, you know, all these variables. Fer- so what do you do if there's some time to kill? I just sit there on my phone. Oh, really? You don't Pretty go, much. Did, like, did, did you go get anything to eat ever or anything like that? Was there places to eat close by? There's places to eat around there, but uh, like the first two days, I really didn't eat all day. I just sat there for 18 hours. <laughs> but by like Sunday, I like during like – I don't know, hot dog to movie or something. I would get up and f- try to find something to eat or something like that. All right. So uh, then, okay. So you come back in for the second movie, mm-hmm. which is what? Uh, another film from Argentina. So it's another Spanish film. This is a North American world premiere again. It's called Dead End. Uh, it's directed and written by this guy. This is a black and white. See, now this is, again, like not a typical horror movie. This is like a genre throwback to, like, film noir of the 30s and 40s. It's shot in black and white. Um, you know, there's not a lot of violence or anything like that. It's just a plain murder mystery about this author who writes this. Uh, he's an author, and he's writing a series of books where there's a killer in a room, and... Uh, when the police come and, you know, find the victim, the room is locked from the inside and the murderer is gone. So throughout this entire career, this author is trying to find a way to explain how the murderer is able to escape a room that's closed from the inside. So it's basically um, he goes to, um, you know, he he goes to like this um, writing convention or something like that. And um, he's writing his final book and he's trying to come up with an idea of how to explain um, how this killer escapes from a room that's closed from the inside. 
but one that uh, another writer from a conf- from this convention is murdered in a very very similar way to the story in our main character's book. So um, you know, naturally, he's accused of the crime because uh, it's cut and paste from his novel, his series of novels. So he must try and, of course, prove his innocence. And as the film goes on, um, he is able to write his final book explaining how this murder happens because he has to put it together in real life and things like that. Um, It's an interesting uh, slow burn kind of film. It's only 77 minutes. It's very, 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 very heavy uh, dialogue-based. Like I said, it's just pretty much is set in this – uh, hotel setting and this is this guy trying to solve these murders and things like that it's 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 cut and paste but it has really nice black and white cinematography and um it it's it shot very well and the acting is pretty solid but it's not like the most exciting film or anything like that i think there's definitely an audience for this movie and i think that um if you like slow burn atmospheric kind of films from the 30s and 40s that's not necessarily horror but you know like a noir or something like that i think you'll probably dig this one um pretty well like i said it's spanish so there's english subtitles but like i said it's only 77 minutes so it's pretty fast watch it moves pretty quickly even though it's a heavy dialogue based movie but um it's not too much to say about this one to be honest i don't know how some of these like smaller films are going to be released um i know with some of the bigger films of course like darlin and the lodge and things like that i know how they're going to be released but i don't know about like these smaller films but um it's all right if you're into it um i give this one a six as well uh nothing amazing but it's still totally watchable and uh, uh intriguing enough because of the black and white uh cinematography it's not too bad it was fine okay and did the director do a q a on that one not on that one. Okay. Uh, so, you know, sounds like sounds like something I probably wouldn't seek out. But I mean, I think like something like you, you and your pop would probably like. It's, I think, I think your grandpa would probably like it. To be honest with you, it, it, yeah. It, from the movies you tell me that he likes, I think you probably might dig <laughs> it. All right. Uh, so, what was the third film? Next up. A uh, 70-millimeter presentation of Flatliners. See, that was one that I would be kind of interested With, in. Now, I want to talk about the short that played before it. Uh, the short that played before it was uh, called When Larry Met Stanley. And, of course, it stars the late, great Larry Cohen. And it's basically this Larry Cohen standing on a street corner in New York City talking about the time that he met uh, Stanley Kubrick. And, um, you know... It's just, and I don't want to tell you what the story is about, but it was just amazing seeing Larry Cohen back on the screen again, talking about um, this time that he met just an absolutely huge and famous movie director. You know, Stanley, not Stanley, Larry Cohen. You know, he's known for his uh, guerrilla style filmmaking, the best guerrilla style filmmaker in the world uh, who probably ever lived, and. Uh, the fact that he's he's making a short film about the time that he met him was hilarious, and uh, I think this one you could see online. But if you like Larry Cohen, check out when Larry met Stanley. Like I said, it's just Larry Cohen standing on a corner talking about Stanley Kubrick, and uh, it's super interesting. 
but uh, back to flatliners. So a rare 70 millimeter presentation of flatliners, a Chicago staple. So you, you understand. Now you said that this wasn't shown since it came the out. The movie right? came out in ninety. Um, according to them, uh, Sony didn't even know that it was in their faults until they asked for it. I had no idea how the guys at Cinema Apocalypse knew that there was a 70, mil- 70 millimeter print of this. Um, you know, 1990, 70 millimeter really wasn't too popular anymore. You know, um, you know, it was still pretty rare at any time for a film to be released in 70 millimeter. But uh, 1990, <coughs> you know, it's it was a pretty uh, obscure format not too many theaters had the capabilities of projecting 70 millimeter so the fact that they released this movie on 70 millimeter is pretty interesting but uh sony didn't even know that they had it so when they went to ask about it to check it out for them to you know show at this festival they didn't even they didn't even believe that they had it they're like oh that's not a thing and then um they did more research and they found the catalog number and they somehow found the print and that's what we saw and according to them, it hasn't been checked out since the film was released in 1990. So it's the first time in, what, 30 years that the movie's been shown on 70mm, that the print's actually been ran through a projector. So it's a weird film to get a 70mm uh, uh, transfer because, you know... So what does 70mm look like to somebody who's... Better than 4K? If it's, like, really nice print, better than 4K because... You know, 35 millimeter is, of course, um, the width of the frame is 35 millimeters, and uh, in length. So 70 millimeter is, of course, double that. So the frame's a lot bigger. It's a lot wider. Um, it's twice the quality of 35 millimeters. So 35 millimeter is already like an amazing, amazing image if you have like a really good print. So if you have a 70 millimeter print. You know, the quality is just amazing. I mean, there's a reason why Quentin Tarantino shot Hateful Eight on 70 millimeters. There's just something to the image if it's because this movie, a lot of movies weren't shot on 70 millimeter. They were shot on 35 millimeter and then up converted to 70 millimeter. You know, the thing that was released on 70 millimeter, but it wasn't shot on 70 millimeter. Films like 2001 Space Odyssey, that was shot on 70 millimeter. Hateful Eight, that was shot on 70 millimeter. Um, uh, Sons of Arabia that was shot on 70 millimeter. So films that were actually like shot on 70 millimeter through the camera and all the things like that, it's going to be a better experience than seeing a film that was upscaled to 70 millimeter later on, like this movie. But it's still like a pretty amazing image if you have a really nice looking print. Now the problem is you would think like this print would be really good because it hasn't been played very much, but I think the fact that it sat around for a while and things like that, um, there was some issues with it. Um, as the film went on, some of the reels, the later reels, looked better than the first reel, but um, it was still some pretty bad bleeding effects going on throughout the movie. Um, uh, like the left side of the frame was a lot brighter than the rest of the frame and things like that. There's just stuff that you can't control um, with film, and I think you know that's why film preservation is such an important thing because just like DVDs and Blu-rays, which of course um, – over time, in 200 years, you know, all these movies that we buy are going to be probably fucking useless because they deteriorate over time, you know. Um, same thing with film, you know, they, it deteriorates over time. So if you don't care for it and everything like that, it's going to turn to shit. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how well Sony cared for it, but, you know, it wasn't the most pristine print. But 
it was still cool to see this movie on the big screen projected in film like i said it was shot and here. that was a that was a first time watch for you too right yeah yeah i've never seen it um it's a pretty interesting movie i didn't think i didn't remember that it was rated r i thought it was pg-13 but um you know this movie it, it's pretty cool it's pretty interesting i i love the the idea of um these people's past demons coming back to haunt them um when they die and then when they come back to life these demons are staying in their lives and messing around with them things like that it's a pretty interesting idea um i don't know do you like this movie yeah i do i i i watched it for the first time um i think last year when the the sequel or reboot or whatever it was came out because i was gonna go see that i just never ended up getting around to it um but i own you know flat the original flatliners on blu-ray and I, I really liked it. I thought it was just a neat movie. Um, and, you know, the 90s had a few of these type of, like, borderline horror movies um, like this. And, and I really liked it. I thought I it was I just cool. loved the scene on the train. Like, that was pretty cool. Like, the scene with, uh, it wasn't, yeah, it was uh, Kevin Bacon on the train. and Kevin Bacon girl. was in a bunch of, like borderline horror movies in the 90s and 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 horror movies but he he had a bunch of, he did a bunch of stuff in the 90s like yeah. like this and tremors and hollow man that was hollow man i think yeah it was late 90s no that but, was literally the year 2000 i think oh yeah but it's cool you know this is a film that was shot in chicago the whole movie um the scene at the beginning with kevin bacon when he was like walking forward uh, in front of the museum and he would hop the fence they actually shot that because uh, i know somebody who worked on this movie just from work who one of the person who worked in the art department and uh so i was talking about this movie i haven't seen it but he was telling me about it like uh in the beginning of the movie where uh keith or sutherland is walking and he hops over the fence in front of the museum they actually shot that in reverse so kevin bacon would have to walk backwards over the fence and then in post they would uh make it right so it would look right i don't know i understand what the point was but um something to do with the helicopters because you know back in the day they had to use helicopters so i think it was some kind of issue with lining up the helicopter and him walking and things like that but i thought this movie was cool you know it was fun seeing it with the audience it's pretty packed house there's some people very much like me with imax who is very passionate about 70 millimeter and they'll go and see anything that's you know, shown on 70 millimeter. So there's a lot of people who were into it and things like that. I don't like Julia Roberts. I never have. She doesn't really do anything for me. I think she's a pretty, uh, generic ass bitch when it comes to movies. I think that she always has like the same facial expression on her face and things like that. But, uh, it was fun. I gave it a seven. It wasn't like the most amazing movie I've ever seen, I, but I it was I like fun. 7.5 when I had seen it, but cool. Um, it was fun. And then, it's flatliners, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just uh, don't know how people are able to stay alive like seven minutes after their heart stops. It doesn't make any fucking sense to me, but I guess it must be happened. possible. Yeah. Um. All right, so after that, was there any type of extra stuff after that? Uh, no, just uh, when Larry met Stanley short beforehand okay. that I talked about. So uh, what was the film... All right, we have the first really good movie of the festival. Uh, This is Fillins. Um, This is a really fun black comedy uh, starring Bill 
Sarsgaard and uh, uh, Mika Monroe from It Follows. And um, they play like this Bonnie and Clyde kind of uh, uh, runaways who are addicted to drugs and everything like that. And, you know, they're basically Bonnie and Clyde. They're going around and um, robbing stores and things like that and, you know, being misfits. And one day when they're driving after a huge robbery, uh, their car breaks down and they come across this huge house. So they go inside to this house to break in to try and find something, of course, to help them get their car started. And they go into the basement, and inside the basement, there's a little girl that's chained up to the wall. And um, so the family, whoever owns the house and is responsible for this little girl being chained up to the to the wall in the basement, um, comes home. And then, you know, uh, we learn that these people are pretty fucked up. This sounds good. <laughs> I'm not oh. going to lie. Like, this is sounding good. And there's like a lot of dark things going on with these people who own the house. And, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, psychological issues going on with this husband and wife dynamic. And uh, Bill Cigar and Mika Monroe's character is trying to get out of this situation. It's very like very much like a misery kind of situation where they're forced to stay in this house. And it's just them trying to escape. It's a really, really funny fucking movie. It's super, super funny. The husband and wife are just dark, dark, twisted characters, but they just have some absolutely hilarious, hilarious dialogue. And Bill says guard and Makia Monroe's, they, they are so good together. Like, I hope they do other films because they just have amazing, amazing chemistry. And um, I really, really did like this movie. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. I think when people see it, um, they're going to really, really like it, too. Uh, this, I think this is, of course, one of the films that we're definitely going to see down the line come out on either VOD or something. Uh, it's played at South by Southwest, and uh, I'm not sure if it played at Sundance, but I've known it's played before here in the country. So, you know, that should show you already that it's probably going to come out sooner rather than later. But um, it's this, it's a really, really fun, fun, fun movie. I really, really did enjoy this movie. Um, even in the four days, you know, it was one of the movies I was thinking about the most. If you like black comedies, you're definitely going to dig this film. Um, it's, it's, you know, it has two pretty famous people in it. So it's, it's well-made. It has a bigger budget and things like that. And, um, they showed a couple of these dark comedies, um, throughout the festival. That was kind of the theme is these crazy, crazy dark comedies with, some pretty outrageous characters and things going on, but um, definitely one you should check out. Um, I'll keep an eye out for it if it ever comes out, and uh, I'll post about it on the 22 Shots Facebook page and everywhere else that we're around. But um, check this one out. I gave it an 8 out of 10. And what was the name of that? It's called Villains. Villains. And was there any – was that director had, – had he done anything else? Uh it was directed by two guys. It was directed and written by two guys, a guy named Dan Burke and Robert Olson. And um, let's see. He did um, – he produced a lot of stuff, but um, nothing of um, – he did Stakeland 2. Okay. <laughs> Um, which I haven't seen. Have you seen Stakeland? No, I haven't heard that it was I – did, I, did, I heard that it wasn't very good. Yeah. 
I didn't see the first Stakeland either, so I don't know if it's any good or what. But um, like I said, it's not it's it's not like what you think. This movie, like I said, it's not like the most bloody or goriest film. It's a dark, dark comedy with some really, really great, fantastic, batshit crazy acting. Think about the family or the wife and husband dynamic and people under the stairs. It's very similar to that. Um, you can clearly see influence from that film and those two characters carrying over to this movie. So if you like that relationship and the batshit crazy of those two people and people under the stairs, you're probably going to dig this movie. Uh, highly recommend you check it out whenever it comes out. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Fillings. It's good shit. Really, really good. Sounds pretty good. Uh, so good. there was was there a bonus Q&A, anything after that one? Not on that one. Okay. So then what was next? So how many movies are in, we in now? Four or five? Five? One, two, three, four. This is number five. Okay. The fifth film was what? Rock and Roll Nightmare with a live riff by Gar. Now, if you don't Gar? know who Gar is, they are I don't a, know who Gar is. They are a band from the 80s. They're like a heavy metal band. They're like um, mainly f- – you know, combined of musicians and filmmakers and different kind of artists. They wear outrageous costumes on stage. Uh, you know, they're like assless chaps kind of um, really? of gear. They wear like masks and they're just like over the top. Like uh, one show, like they would have like a, a, a dummy of like Bush when he was the president and he would like cut their head off and blood would like squirt all over into the crowd. And like, Dude, this sounds like a ripoff of the band Guar. Yeah. Who, what did I say? Huh? What did I say? You said you, you're talking about Gar. Yeah. Who are you talking about? I'm, I, they sound exactly like this other band named Guar. You know what? Fuck you, JP. <laughs> what? Even in this thing, you got to make fun of me. <laughs> oh, it's. A, are you saying it's the same band? Yeah, it's the same band. With Dave Brocky, who passed away. Yes. Do you know who? He, do you know who they are? Absolutely, I know who they are. Okay, so why are you making me look like a dickhead, dickhead? I thought you were talking about some band I didn't know named Gar. Oh my god, you knew damn straight who I was talking about. How would I know you were talking about Gwar? Anyway, so a few of the band members did a few different uh, things during the festival. This was the first thing. They did a live riff of Rock and Roll Nightmare. And of course they had to make fun of Glenn Danzig, who uh, I was talking about earlier quite a bit. Um, they were joking that they couldn't get anybody better than themselves because they spent all their money on getting Glenn Danzig to show his movie. But they decided to show Rock and Roll Nightmare. Um, you know, they showed this at midnight. In my personal opinion, I probably wouldn't have shown this fucking thing at midnight because at that point, I've watched movies for like 12 hours and these guys are like super high energy. You know, they're loud. You know, they're really, really, you know, um, physical with their act and things like that so by the time this came on i was like i really really am tired and i don't want to listen to these guys screaming but i stuck around and um these guys were funny as hell they were freaking bashing this movie like no other um i wish this movie would get like a a, a mystery science theater 3000 kind of riff because it's that kind of movie i mean if you don't know rock and roll nightmare it's a canadian film um starring thor who is a legendary rock and roll um, guitarist, singer. Um, if you don't know too much about him, you can check out 
a documentary from Dark Sky called I Am Thor. It came out a few years ago. It talks about the dude. But um, this is a really, really shitty film from 1987. Uh, low budget. Like it would, like it has scenes like they were making fun of. Like there's a scene in the beginning where there's like a fan driving towards the camera for literally like three minutes. And it's just like, oh, we need more fan shots. And, um, you know, <coughs> they're just like absolutely destroying this movie. I mean, you don't go and you see something like this to watch the film. You know, it's hard to watch the movie. You know, they have the audio down, turned down pretty low. And, uh, you know, it, you mainly just go to watch them rip apart this film. Uh, but this movie's awful. It has some pretty fun effects. I know Moods absolutely loves this movie, but he loves his fair share of bad films. And this is like one of the best, worst movies around. Uh, Synapse released it, but, um, you know, this is just a, a film that's hard to review because, you know, it's just a riff, you know, it's a live riff and, uh, they were pretty goddamn funny though. I have to say, you know, I didn't know too much about them, uh, yeah, going the, into the it. The original so. lead singer, Dave Brocky was, is he's odorous Urungus. That was his character from Guar and, he was in the TV show Holliston as Adam Green's imaginary friend. Um, and him and Adam Green were like really good friends. Like I think Adam said he was like one of his best friends. Um, and he died from, I believe heroin. Yeah. He OD'd, um, a couple of years ago, but yeah, he yeah. was, he was a big part of like Aerie scope and Adam Green's crew. Yeah. And you know, these guys, you know, they don't make enough money doing just the, just being in the band so you know these guys all have day jobs and things like that so it's pretty uh you know they're normal schmo starving artists like most of us but um it was fun you know i i don't really have a rating for it but uh it's just a goofy film and um you know they did a q a uh later on the next day they came back and they showed off phallus in wonderland which is their like 52 minute crazy ass fucking short film that they well it's not really a short film at this point it's 52 minutes this crazy movie they made um this trippy ass uh alice in wonderland kind of parody movie that they made they did a q a afterwards uh, as themselves and um i'll talk about that later but um that closed out the night in day one um it was pretty fun you know yeah. it, it you so know. highlight of day one was villains villains absolutely villains okay so you went home got some sleep ate seven some hours did you eat breakfast yep what did you eat sausage McMuffins oh, come on <laughs> stop eating that crap no man they make, how go. do you not make you sick I gotta eat as fast as I can cause I have to go back okay so uh you drove back why didn't you just you should've got a hotel probably too expensive huh at this point, I'd rather just drive and save the money. Yeah. All right. So you went and went back. How long is the drive, by the way? Like an hour? Yeah, and uh, like forty-five minutes. So it's it's about the same as like it is from us to like the waterfront. Sure. And you do it all the time, so I do it like every, every like twice a week usually. Yeah. These days. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Uh, okay, but it's so, worth it, you know. It wasn't like one movie; I'd do oh, it yeah, for fourteen ex- hours. Yeah. So, especially since you didn't have to pay for parking, am I right? <laughs> Thank yeah, you, no. twenty-two shots listeners, for that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, business expenses. Yeah, no, seriously, because that would have been kind of expensive, you know. Yeah, at least 
what, 80 bucks, 100 bucks, yeah. 100 bucks. All right, so day two, you get there, get your, you know, check in yep. at the box office, get your stubs. Yep. What do you go see first? A really first bad one. movie called Dead Con. Um, what is this called? A, Dead Con. Dead Con. Is it a horror yeah. movie? It's a ghostly. Okay. I haven't said that in a while. We're bringing back ghostly. We haven't said it in a long time, folks, but this is a ghostly. Now, what's interesting about this movie is the fact that it's going to be PG-13. I just want to say that right now. But the interesting fact is that this movie stars all social media influencers, so people on YouTube, uh, Instagram, things like that. And you know, it's very similar – while the film is a generic ghostly, it takes place at like a like a YouTube convention, let's say. So it has a lot of like, you know, uh, things being said about what these people have to go through on a daily basis, always having to be on camera, always having to be on, you know, wherever you go. You know, there's the little girls are a big fan base to some of these, you know, uh, makeup stars and things like that. And they always have to be on. You know, they never get to breathe or anything like that. They always have to be on camera. They always have to pump out content because if they don't pump out content, there's somebody else who is pumping out content. And, you know, it's it's a hard life being somebody who's mainly, you know, focused on YouTube. I think the film is interesting in that sense. It has an interesting message about what these people have to go through on a daily basis, very similar to something like, cam which came out last year which focused on the troubles that people that girls who are webcam webcam models have to deal with you know this is the first film that i've seen that has the that common you know has a commentary on what these um social media influencers have to go through uh like i said on a daily basis so i had to get the film credit on that like i haven't seen a film that discusses what these people go through and how difficult it really is like people think like oh i just go on youtube you know i get to make videos i just put them on youtube and you know i make a lot of money and that's that but like these people you know have to edit them and then not even when they're on video you know they have to go out and if they're somewhere interesting they have to always be on social media and things like that so it was an interesting in that sense but the ghostly story that goes around it i mean it's just a fucking bad generic ghostly story like um the hotel where all these uh youtube influencers are staying um is there's like this certain room where this guy murdered um all these people because he was coming up with this uh like the first internet chat room and um he went crazy trying to build this chat room because the investors were pulling out because nobody believed it was like a big deal. So the guy went crazy and he started murdering all these people who came to his room, his hotel room where he was staying and things like that. Really, really generic, ghostly narrative that plays out. You know, um, you know, uh, some ghostly is murdering all these people who end up visiting this room where all these YouTube stars are staying, things like that. It's a pretty generic ghostly story but like i said it's not marketed towards me or it's not marketed towards a lot of people who went to this festival it's a weird thing that they decided to show this movie because it really wasn't a film that was for the general audience who went to this festival you know it's more a tween kind of film and the director was in person and she was talking about during the q a like it was a her 
yeah, like she was like appreciative that they actually showed the movie because it's it it's not a film for adults. It's a film. It's like going to be a PG thirteen, you know, ghostly film, and you know, it it's going to appeal to you know young girls or teenage girls, teenage boys who are fans of all these YouTube stars that they watch on online. So you know, I understand that it is a film for them and not for me. So, but you still have to keep an open, you know, mind when you're reviewing the film, and you know, it's hard. It's hard to separate that uh, not being the correct audience for a film like this. But like I said, I think it's interesting what they say about YouTube stars, but it's not the most interesting film. The story's super generic. Uh, the kills are shitty, like super generic shitty kills, and like. There's commentary about, you know, sexting and things like that. It is what it is. I gave it a five simply because of the fact that it had, like, some interesting commentary in it. But it wasn't a good movie, to be honest. It was pretty shitty. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it, it clearly sounds like it's for a different audience and, and not. Yeah, it's a tween horror film. But, okay. So, um, what did you say you gave it? Five. Five. Uh, sounds reasonable so it is reasonable like i said it it's not like definitely one of the shittier films of the festival but uh you know i appreciated them at least trying to give it an outlet this was a world premiere by the way um so should be coming out i think the director said that it would be coming out in a fod pretty soon and this one had a really really good short screen before it um called one last meal um this is directed by the lady who did the stylist which is on shutter just an absolutely amazing short with uh Najara townsend who is you know you, you know her i know her um super nice girl i worked with her on a film three summers ago now and uh she's the star in that film if you haven't seen it check it out on shutter it's really really good but this is her new short it's called one last meal it's basically about a prison where this guy is on death row, and at his last meal, he requests um, a piece of human flesh. What? And um, it's just like the Warren who's like um, scared that the state's going to come and shut them down, so he wants to keep all the inmates happy, and it's basically him trying to fulfill this um, request so for ridiculous. a piece of flesh. It is absolutely ridiculous, but <clears throat> it's really, really well made. And things like that. Um, I don't know where it's going to be shown, but um, this broad doesn't do features or anything like that. But I know that she's trying to make some feature-length films. She mainly just do shorts as of now. But um, I really liked it, and um, it was shot in a real prison, so it was cool. But that was a short before it. But um, Dead Con wasn't very, very good. Okay, so not a great film to start off the show. No. Day two. <laughs> So then, okay, what was the film after the, the that then? All right, after that we had uh, Alice in Wonderland. So they did like a montage of um, Gar Guar Gar. How do you say it, JP? Guar. It's just Guar. W G W A R. So Guar. Guar. Uh, so they came back. Now it's the mid afternoon. It's like two o'clock. <laughs> I'm much more awake and not like half asleep after watching five movies prior to their live riff on Rock and Roll Nightmare. 
so they came in um, and they showed like a whole bunch of like news clips about their um, their history and things like that because they're really crazy over the top. And then they showed Fallows in Wonderland, which is a pretty rare screening. You know, they don't really show it too often. And this came out in 1992, and this is a batshit crazy Alice in Wonderland kind of uh, narrative with some pretty good effects, actually. This was actually nominated for a Grammy. You believe it, Guar was nominated for a Grammy, and um, they were nominated in like a long-form music video category. And uh, like I said, it's 52 minutes. It, it doesn't have like a very uh, concrete um, narrative. It's very loosely based on Alice in Wonderland. It's more just images of weird, strange things going on. Um, I know for a long time it was super hard to get on DVD. It was like super, super out of print, like 150 bucks out of print, but it was reissued. A couple years ago, it's now pretty easy to get. Um, if you like strange, weird things, check it out. If you don't like that thing, those kind of things, you're probably not going to like it. Uh, if you watch it by yourself, you're probably not going to like it. It's more of a film that you see with an audience um, more than if you just sit in front of a computer at home and you watch it yourself. But after it. They came out and they actually made a few – let me backtrack. They actually made a few um, films like this. I think they made one other like 50 to 60-minute film. But afterward, they came out as themselves. Um, You know, these guys mostly play characters when they're on on the stage. And they came out and they did a Q&A. And, you know, they just talk about the struggles of being an artist. And, you know, I'm sitting there thinking about what I do. These guys who have been doing it for 35 years now, they're even struggling. You know, they're well, you know, well first and things like that. And they have to have a day job and things like that. You know, they don't do this full time and they can't pay their bills by doing it full time and things like that. So it's really interesting to listen to. You know, we're we're all struggling artists if we decide to go down this route. You know, it's very rare that someone you know, breaks out, of course, and is able to pay their bills. But if you're ever in, I think it's Virginia, um, one of the guys is a really, really awesome cook. Supposedly, that's what he always did uh, when they weren't playing. And he opened a bar in Virginia, and it's supposed to be, like, amazing, like, high, high-quality food. Like, it's hard to get into, which is pretty funny. But um it was interesting to listen to these guys talk because their characters are so outrageous and over the top. So uh, I think that was like the main uh, positive of this is this listening. You know, they had them come in the night before and they were just purely their characters the entire time. So it was interesting to listen to the guys behind the characters talk about life and things like that. So it was like a 45-minute Q&A, so uh, a pretty lengthy discussion and you know they have a lot of fans you know there was a lot of people who came out just for these two screenings and they were really into it and uh they clearly really enjoyed the music that these guys put out so um i've never heard of them before but they they were in beavis and butthead on second genesis if you had that game <laughs> you know uh yeah the that, that, yeah that's the uh 
the whole point of the game. They want to go see Guar. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, in, I didn't know in, that. In the game, yeah. Know. They the plot of the Beavis and Butthead game is that they get tickets to go see Guar, and their tickets get run over by a llama or something, and you have to go find the pieces of the tickets so you can go to the the Guar concert. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, but um, you know, another thing that's hard to rate because. I don't know. It's just so weird and strange, and it wasn't that kind of thing to <laughs> be rating, you know. So, but you like if you I didn't rate it, it. You didn't rate it. No. You didn't uh, log it in Letterboxd? I did, but I just said what it was. And yeah. all right. Next up. Next up. All right. Next up, <clears throat> we have. The best film of the festival so far, and uh, the best film of the festival in general, best movie I saw throughout the day and throughout the weekend is a film called The Swerve. This is a world premiere, small budget film, um, a very, very, very depressing film, uh, a character study piece. It's not a horror film. But it's just a it's just a depressing ass drama that makes anybody who has any sort of soul feel um, remorse. So we follow this woman named Holly. Holly is, you know, a wife. She has two kids. She's a teacher. You know, her husband's getting a new promotion. But she's having these weird dreams about, um, you know running people off the road and killing them and she's not sleeping and um she's taking these pills and just everything in her life is just spiraling out of control her marriage is falling apart um her kids are just you know not really you know it's just the kids really don't seem like they care uh she's having a uh, a relationship with one of her students and it's just uh, uh, an amazing, amazing commentary about mental illness and, um, you know, depression and how things in your life could seem so perfect on the outside. But on the inside, it's just dealing with all these just absolutely depressing things. And, you know, we spend so much time with this main character that you really, really feel for her. And... Um, it's played by a woman called Asura Asura Sky, who um, she won the award for the festival as the best actress. Um, so she was in One Miss Call and Red Dragon, some other stuff. But she just does gives there's an amazing, amazing performance. With this film, you always deal with a character dealing with mental illness. You really have to have somebody who's like really, really good. If you guys see Manchester by the Sea, that film has a very similar tone. It's a very depressing fucking movie. It's very just it, – it just hurts anybody who has a soul. And this movie is, again, you know, uh, has that kind of just depressing, depressing tone to it. Um, you know, it's a very l- lower budget made film, but it feels very higher budget because they have an actress who does just a really, really amazing job. And just makes this film shine. Understand if it's not going to be for everybody. Um, if people don't like depressing dramas, they're probably not going to like this movie. 
but it just it just hurt my soul by the end of it because you know i uh everybody in life has knows somebody who deals with mental illness who has some sort of things going on with that and you know you just feel for this person that she's in the situation where you know she's not happy and you know her marriage is failing and her kids don't care and she hates her job and all these other things that other people may seem like oh this person's lucky she has all these things going on but um you know it's just it's just an amazing film and the ending comes around and it packs a a a very uh like bergman kind of ending a very it doesn't end on a happy level you know you don't go home feeling happy you know it's a it, it carries the depressing tone throughout the entire film it's 95 minutes and um i love this movie man it's really 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 good I hope people will be able to have the opportunity to see it at some point. Um, like I said, it's a lower-budget kind of film, so I don't know if it will ever come out. I really do hope that it does. Um, this is a world premiere, so we were the first group of audiences who saw it. I was talking to the guy afterwards. Um, I went up to him, the guy who runs the festival. I said, that movie kicked ass. It's probably my favorite movie that I've seen so far, and he said that it was his favorite film too of the entire festival. So, it's this is a really really fantastic film, and um, I was not the only one who thought it was really really good. So, I gave this one a nine out of ten. It's really really good, dude. I I love that you know that that you like that a lot and stuff. And every time I think about like a really good film, and like wanting it to come out like it makes me wish i was involved in like distribution it just seems like something that would be like a dream job to like acquire films and put them out and stuff like that it just seems like that's why i like those vinegar syndrome guys too a lot but yeah it would just be cool to run a label i think yeah i really do think like somebody like i don't know ifc picks this up like i said it's a drama uh, uh not your typical film that you would see at a genre festival, but um, you know this this director is a pretty new guy. I think this is his first film. An older guy, uh, you could tell that he he was raised on Polanski and and Hitchcock and all those you know legendary, amazing directors. But uh, yeah, this one's really really good. But don't watch it if you're being like all oh, happy and joy. It's it'll <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll kick you in the balls. Well, see, or, I the love depressing guy. films and, you know, downers or, you know, anxiety stuff. So that's, I, 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 I torture myself with stuff like that sometimes, but, um, what did you rate it? A nine, nine, Oof. nine, the best film of the festival that I saw hands okay, down. Cool. This so movie. after that one where you're feeling all down did they play something like a little more upbeat next <laughs> total recall okay i've never seen total recall oh what a fucking joke that is have you never seen total recall bro uh, is that the one with the three boobed girl yep. okay i have seen it but i haven't seen it since i was like five. Oh man that's total- the only thing i remembered from it <laughs> total recall kicks ass so this was also shown on 70 millimeter uh, the second film out of the two shown on film. Well, Tammy and the T-Rex was shown on film too, but this was the 
second film shown on 70 millimeter with Mikey Ironside in person. Of course, he is a absolute legend. He's worked on hundreds of films at this point, and uh, of course, he was in Scanners, he was in this film, a whole bunch of other films, and um, he was there to do a lengthy Q&A afterwards, and uh, it was really interesting to hear him talk about this movie. Uh, yeah, Total Recall kicks ass. It's just such a fun, fun, fun movie. Um, basically, we follow... Arnie Schwarzenegger's character, he plays um, like this construction worker who figures out that he has um, a chip in his mind that is making him think that he's somebody that he's not really – not who he really is. So basically there's this thing called Total Recall. And what you would do is you would go and pay money to like this um, this organization and what they would do is they would sap memories into your brain. So let's say you want to go to Mars and you wanted to do this, this, and this when you're in Mars. So you go to this co- this um, corporation, they hook you up to this machine, and they um, blast memories into your brain. So we find out that um, you know Arnold Schwarzenegger is actually somebody else, but they sapped all these memories into his brain, and now it's just him trying to find out about his past and things like that. Um, the effects in this movie is, is awesome. Like it is very like futuristic sci-fi. Um, you know, there's there's you know self-driving cars, and when they get to Mars later on in the film, it's just like you've seen the Super Mario Bros. movie. I know it's crazy compared to that, but uh, it it has that kind of feel to it. But along the way, it's just nonstop action. Arnold Schwarzenegger being Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, punching people in the face and shooting them and. Michael Ironside's character is like um, hired by this corporation to try and kill um, Arnold Schwarzenegger before he finds out about his past. And um, when he gets to Mars, of course, we're introduced to all these weird misfits characters. We have the three titty woman and there's little people hookers. And it's just a crazy, crazy, awesome, fun film. Uh, this print was a little bit better than Flatliners. Makes sense. It's a higher profile film than Flatliners, so I would probably assume that I think Lion Gates owns it now, if I stand corrected. So probably understands that they probably um, care for it a little bit better because it's a higher um, higher profile film. Are you into Arnie ninety films, JP? Do you like yeah, Arnie? Yeah, Schwarzen- I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I haven't seen a ton of his movies, but you know, Terminator Two's in my top five of all time, and I really like Predator, and of course, it's like Commando. even what's that? You seen Commando? I haven't seen Commando. No, I'm missing out on all the Arnie. Mm-hmm. Gotta get you. Gotta get some Patreon in here and give you some Arnie films when yeah. we come back. Yeah. But um, Total Recall kicks ass. It's awesome. Um, eight and a half out of ten. Super, super fun, fun film. Um, I haven't seen it in like 12 years. So I really didn't remember it too much. I didn't re- remember liking it as much as I did. But, uh, you know, it's a hard R-rated Arnie film. So, you know, it's, it it has its fair share of blood and guts and nudity and all that kind of stuff. And um, it's fun. It's a fun movie. I recommend you check it out, JP. I think you'll have a good time. All right, cool. 
Uh, I'm trying to think if I want to say anything about Mike. How Mikey. was the Ironside q and It was pretty good. He was like talking about you know his experience on the film and the director. He was like a little bit of a pain in the ass. Uh, he's a little bit of an asshole. And uh, his experiences dealing with him. And uh, he brought his daughter to set one day. And the director asked him, asked her if she's read the script. And she said no. So he kicked her off the set and told her wow. not to come back until she read the script. So she went home or she went to the hotel that day. And when Michael Arnside got her to work, uh, he walks in and she's sitting at the desk reading the script. She's like, 12 or 13 oh jeez <laughs> and it's an r-rated and, um <laughs> they go they go to bed and you know they usually go to set together and when he wakes up in the morning uh his daughter's already gone so he goes downstairs and he talks to the teamsters who brings him to set every day and they're like oh no she left at like 5 30 with the first group of people so michael ironside's like what the fuck so <laughs> he goes to work and he gets to set and when he walks in he sees his daughter and their director like sitting at a table having like a, a in-depth conversation about the script. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "I like this girl." And like, it's just like funny because hey, he's like, she, she, she was like script, giving him it. tips about like things that he thinks she thinks like he should change and things like that. And it's just like, this is a really really funny. He was a really like funny like storytelling kind of guy. You know, That's he's cool. been doing it for a long time. Like on scanners, like. He wasn't hired until like two days before the movie shot. Like Jesus. Yeah, he was casted like two days before the movie was shot. Like he got the script and uh, he read it and then he showed up to work and, you know, turned him into a legend. You know, his fucking head exploded. Well, he made somebody's head explode. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was super, super interesting to listen to Mikey Ironside talk. Yeah. So that was Total Recall. All right. Next up, we have maybe not the best film, but the film I'm most excited for everybody to watch when it comes out very soon. That is The Lodge. The Lodge. Okay. So Sounds pretty cool. I was super, super hyped after watching this movie because people are going to fucking love this movie. I'm telling you, it's going to be on everybody's list. I think it's going to be in a lot of people's top couple uh, for this year this movie has some of the best isolation uh, feeling since the thing I'll say right now this movie has you know it, we followed this um, the film starts off very depressing like super super downer and we follow this uh, son and this brother and sister whose father gets a new girlfriend and, you know, this girlfriend has a weird past. I'm not going to spoil it. But they decide to go to this their uh, winter home in the middle of the mountains. So they go to this cabin and the father has to leave to go to work. So now we have the, the son and the daughter and this girlfriend stuck in this cabin. And it's just in the middle of nowhere. And it's this blowing snow and there's shots of the winter time and this cabin like in the middle of nowhere and you just feel for these characters because they're stuck here and they can't go anywhere they don't have a car the nearest place is five miles away there's a blizzard outside and they wake up one day and all the food's gone 
uh, all the pictures on the mantles gone, like everything from the inside of the house is gone. So now they're stuck here with no car, with no phone, with no food. That the power doesn't work, so they don't have heat. And um, you know, it's they don't want to be here with this woman because they don't really. It she's not their mom, so they're clearly not going to have a positive reception to her because it's their dad's new girlfriend and they're stuck here in this cabin. As the film goes on, there's some weird shit going on. And, um, you know, the narrative is really, 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 really solid. But the highlight of this movie is the fucking atmosphere. It kicks ass. Like, like I said, I don't think it's the best movie, but you just feel the coldness and, the 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 emptiness of being stuck somewhere and you can't do anything about it and um it's really really good um we have uh what the fuck is his name uh the the kid who plays the lead in it um what's his name uh i'll come up with it uh jaden martell who plays um Bill and it. He is the lead of this movie, and um, he does a really, really good job. Like I said, the acting is is really, really solid. Uh, this is a film directed by the people who did uh, Good Good Night, Mommy, which is a really, really fantastic film about kids. And uh, this movie again has the main characters being kids. Like I said, I don't think people are going to be like, "Oh, wow, that was the best film ever." But I really do feel like people are going to say that movie has some of the best atmosphere ever. And I really, really do believe that when this movie comes out and people watch it. I hope it comes out during the wintertime because it just has that feeling that you have to watch it when it's cold outside and it's snowy. And, you know, it's just it's really, really good. It's really, really, really solid. Um, I gave it an eight and a half. Um, I appreciate that they showed it because. Um, I've seen the trailers for it in front of films at the theater, so I know it's going to come out pretty soon from – I don't know who's releasing it, but uh, I know it's going to come out pretty soon theatrically. Now, that's the thing. This movie is going to fucking do horrible with mainstream audiences. It's a, It comes at night all over again. Where so is it, it's going to get a theatrical release, like a wide one? Yeah. Yep. Really? Yep, and it's going to be a same situation with It Comes at Night. It's going to fucking – tank with mainstream audiences but us genre fans are gonna fucking love it and um it's awesome it's really really good the lodge i really really did like it um i was really really hyped after i watched it because i was really excited for everybody to be able to check it out when it comes out because i would really really want to hear people talk about it and uh think if they feel the same way i think about the way that the atmosphere is in this movie. And I really do believe it's the best uh, atmospheric winter stranded film since the thing. And uh, it's really good. I really did like it. Cool, man. Cool. That's one that's definitely going to be high on my radar. Um, <laughs> I'm really excited because as we know, we've been doing this long enough. Hell five years uh, go, aren't we? We're almost going into our sixth year now. I think November will be our sixth year. Um, but waiting for the stuff to hit, you know what I mean? Like the good, the yeah. good films. It usually starts 
around between now and and the last months of the year. Like the second half of the year is always much so much neon, stronger. Neon bought the rights to it, and uh, Neon is their films are released by Universal. Um, Assassination Nation was a Neon film, and uh, that was released by Universal. So Universal is going to be releasing it. So I assume it's going to have a pretty a pretty wide release. So. Cool, cool. So we'll, we'll look for, forward to Be that. on the lookout for The Lodge. Not the best movie, but it has really awesome atmosphere. Okay. That's it for day two. So that was the end of day two, and what was the highlight of day two? Ooh, The Swerve. I mean, it's the best film, but it's like, that was like... That was my favorite movie of the day, but seeing the lodge for sure. So was, day two was probably the bad, the better day of the first two days. Then. Oh yeah, totally. Okay. Absolutely. And they started off with a film that was Sucked. pretty mediocre. <laughs> yeah. All right. But we had the so, swerve, total recall, and the lodge all one after each other. So. Yeah. Uh, three quality films to uh, end the evening. All right, cool. Sounds good. So what happened next? You went home, went to sleep, got up, got more McMuffins? Uh, No, I got a bagel. Okay. And we watched a stop – not a stop motion, a uh, old-school South Park-style paper-cut animation film called Attack of the Demons. Not the most original title, but – And was this um, a feature film or was it a short? Feature film, 85 minutes. Wow. Um, it took the guy like a year to make because – Seems know, pretty fast actually considering the amount of work that that stuff takes. <laughs> yep. It's all paper animation. You know, uh, It has like an early 2000 web kind of feel to it. Um, you know, it, it plays homage to things like Demons, Reanimator, you know, films like that. It's clearly influenced by this movie. But you know, we basically follow – a group of friends, like teenagers, who come together. Um, you know, one's into video games, one's into like movies, like very reminiscent of me. You know, he he he's a loser who goes to the movies by himself and he watches all these genre kind of films. And then we have a like a goth girl who likes this kind of music. And then um, there's like this huge musical festival every year in this town. And um, some kind of uh, uh, demon comes and possesses the entire town who's at this festival and turns into, you know, uh, uh, flesh-eating demons. And it's basically just these three friends trying to survive this attack on their city. It's a pretty generic kind of story, you know. But it, it, it has a lot of charm. It's set in 1994, so it has like a 90s kind of feel to it. But, you know, I just give so much admiration to these kind of filmmakers, you know. I mean, just having to move the paper one by one and like <coughs> actually like cutting out like everything in the film is all like actual like a physical thing that this person had to fucking cut out and trace and make sure it's cut straight and everything like that. It's just it's just amazing, amazing, amazing that films like these exist. This movie has a, like a really, really badass like soundtrack to it. Uh, like I said, it's not like the most uh, fresh story. It's pretty generic, but it has a lot of uh, character and um, heart to it. 
you know, this guy is written, directed, everything like that is made by this one dude. Of course, he has different kind of voice actors voicing all these different uh, characters in it. But, you know, it's fun to see a horror film in this kind of style. Um, I can't really think of any off the top of my head. Sure, we've seen, like, animated horror films, but I haven't really seen any that's, like, paper animation. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it, it has its place, you know. I gave it a six. Like I said, it's not, like, the most amazing or anything like that, but it, it has its charm. And um, I appreciate being able to watch it. Um, that was a world premiere as well, Attack of the Demons. Um, yeah, you know, support support all different kind of films, even paper animation. <laughs> okay, so did you throw a rating on that? Six. Six. All right, next up. All right, next up we have... Um, let's see. Uh, Lucky McGee's newest film, Kindred Spirits. All right. So this is not a horror film. Um, Lucky McGee was in person to do this Q&A after this film. Cool dude. You could tell he's a total nerd like I am. You know, he, 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 he's made films like May, which I know is one of the best films from 2002. I know JP loves May. A lot of people love May. Mm-hmm. Carly May's, really loves May. May is a great film. Directed The Woman. Have you seen May? No. But you I know should, a lot of people like it. You should probably see May. You would probably dig it. It's pretty good. Yeah. Have you seen Excision? Yeah, it was my number 100 on my list, you dickhead. Okay, if you like Excision, you would love May. Have I seen Excision? No, it's just my number 50th favorite movie of all time. I don't fucking know what you're... Like, I don't have your list memorized, dude. <laughs> that was like the weirdest movie on my list, too. You're like, oh, that was pretty cool. Quality really likes that movie. She but uh, Kindred Spirits. So this is, like I said, Lucky McGee's newest film. Uh, during the Q&A, he said he wanted to make a film that was a throwback to the 90s uh, sexy thriller. So, um, you know, you know, 90s had a bunch of those... You Wild know, things. Yeah, and Basic Instinct and things like that. You know, he wanted to make a a throwback to those kind of films. And um, so we follow a mother and daughter. Uh, There's no men in the, you know, in the scenario. A mother and daughter. uh, The daughter is a little bit of an outcast. You know, it's a small town kind of thing. Uh, the mother is dating the father to this girl's best friend, and one day the uh, the sister of the mom Sadie shows up, and she's like the cool aunt. You know, she's she's fun, and you know she's way different than the mother, who's more of a quiet, you know, quiet kind of character. But uh, you know, deep down inside. The sister Sadie has some uh, shadier things going on with her in her, you know, inside with her brain and things like that. You know, she she tries to plan things that makes her family look bad um, and things like that because she wants to always be the center of attention. And, you know, she always wants to have the she always wants to be front and centered and whatever is going on. And that that has to do with, you know, messing up 
something in her sister or niece's life, she'll do so just so the attention focuses on her again. Um, the film is really, really slow in the first and second act. I don't think it really goes anywhere, to be completely honest. Uh, it's 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 in the third act that the film like takes off and um, starts to be a little bit more interesting and not boring, to be honest. Like the first like fifty minutes of the movie, in my opinion, is quite boring. It, it, I just feel like it like repeats itself again and again and again. And it really doesn't say anything about these characters. But when we get to the final act and like shit starts to happen and we learn more about what this sister's true intentions are and what she's going to do to make sure that she's always the one in the center of all the attention, then it starts to become more interesting. And, you know, and there's some other things going down. Um, you know, it's not the best film to be completely honest, you know, I wasn't like, wow, that movie was awesome. And a lot of people liked it more than I did. But, um, you know, it, it's still a really, really well-made film. Uh, the sister who is um, played by, can't remember her name, but she's super, super hot. Uh, she does a good job playing like a crazy bitch kind of character i think she does a good job all the acting is like really really well done in that department the film's well made i just think the narrative is a little bit lackluster and it takes a little bit to get going but once it does it, it ends pretty good but i still gave it a seven out of ten for kindred spirits uh, lucky mcgee's new film that was a world premiere as well um what was his last film that he did? The Woman. That was his last film? Yep. Lucky McKee. Yep. Are you sure? Pretty sure. Um I think so, he did like a I think he did like a uh uh no no, he did all cheerleaders. That's what it die. was. Yeah, I really didn't like that movie. Yeah, that's like a weird movie in his filmography when you like think about it. It's like weird. Well, it is because he he. It's a remake of Cheerleader Camp. No, of of um, all cheerleaders die. Really? Yeah. He he, he co-directed a movie from two thousand one called All Cheerleaders Die right before May. Hmm. Yeah. Then he did May. Fantastic. The Woods is really good. Um, Red is good, and then the woman's really good. And then he, I, I didn't like All Chillers Die at all. I thought Tales of Halloween, his segment was just okay. Uh, it looks like he has, that that one that you just reviewed was what, Kindred Spirits? Yeah. And it looks uh, like he has a, a movie called R- River coming out as well. I just have a feeling like this one is probably going to be a while till you see it. I would assume it's probably going to play in some more festivals before it hits VOD or somewhere because it's the first time that it was shown, but... Uh, if you like those 90s thriller kind of films, you'll probably dig it. I just thought the narrative was a little bit lackluster, to be completely honest with you. And uh, it's all right. All right. So what happened after – was there a Q&A or anything? It was a Q&A, but – With um, who? Lucky McGee. Okay. Did you, did you stay for it or no? Yeah, I stayed for all the Q&As. And I don't really think he said anything interesting besides the fact that he wanted to make a uh, – 
throwback to the 90s sexual tension thrillers, woman central based thrillers. Um, yeah, I think that's all that he really said. That at right. least is stuck in my mind. Alright, so what after that? Hot Dog dot 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 the movie. So this is a sex comedy. Came out in 1984. Um, I was quite surprised to learn how many ski sex comedies came out in the 80s into the 90s and still being made in the 2000s with films like Out Cold and Hot Tub Time Machine. But, um, you know, there was a, a shitload of these ski comedies, and uh, this was, like, the first one that, like, really, really took off, and it made a shit ton of money. It was, like, one of the most prof- – it was the most prof- profitable films of 1984, so, uh, you know, people went and saw it. But uh, this is a new uh, 35th anniversary 4K restoration of it from what I understand. Synapse owns the rights to this film. We know how they are, so if you ever see the movie, it beats the shit out of me. But uh, this was like the first time that they ever showed the new restoration that they did, which is a good sign. I wish they would do All Central High or whatever that movie that I reviewed a couple shows back in the top ten that Synapse supposedly Massacre at Central High. That's the name of that movie. Kicks ass. Supposedly uh, Synapse is supposed to be releasing that, but um, you know, it's a teen sex comedy. It has a lot of tits. Has a lot of tits. Oh yeah, and I had to say it has a lot of tits, but um, it's, a, it's a lot of sex. You know, it takes place on a snow mountain. Um, Sharon Teed, who is uh, Gene Simmons' wife, of course, she is in this film. She shows her boobies quite a bit, and it's basically just like these these American snow uh, American ski team is going to like this competition and they have a run-in with this Australian ski team who is like, you know, very stereotypical, you know, fill-in kind of... Wait, you're uh, telling me there's an Australian ski team? Austrian. Oh, Austrian. I was about to say Australian. I was like, where the hell do they practice? Austrian. <laughs> so they're like the fill-ins, you know, like the they have a, 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 a funny accent kind of uh, characters and... I mean, it's 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 a sex comedy. You know what you're gonna get. You've seen Porky, you've seen Fast Times, you've seen this film. You know, it, they're pretty much all the same. But um, I watched myself a, 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 a teen sex comedy the other day because after you guys were talking about them, I started thinking about them. And this one's more of like a buddy stoner teen sex comedy. But have you ever seen Stone? What is it? Stone Age? Is this Stone Age from like '94? That sounds absolutely horrible. No, it's awesome, dude. It's so good. You would dig it. Really? I think it's Stone Age. I'm not sure. I, I forgot the title, but I watched it on Tubi for free. Um, yeah. It's a movie I saw when I was a kid, and I could. the only scene I remembered from it was um, I couldn't – you know how it's like a buddy – like there's buddy films like, you know, like uh, your fucking Bill and Ted guys and yeah. like, you know, Garth and Wayne and, and uh, Harry and Lloyd and um, – yeah. Cheech and Chong, and it's one of those type of movies. And uh, there's these two dudes who are like rocker, like metalheads with like long hair and like you know jackets, metal vests and shit. I don't know. Um, and they're you know they're just out cruising trying to find some chicks, and they go visit. The, they find out about these chicks' house, and they go there. And I just remember this one scene 
where the girls are like upstairs and the one girl's like, I don't know, man, my dad's going to be coming home. I don't think we should have them here. And she's like, what's the worst they could be doing? Pissing in the ice trays? And then it cuts to them just standing above ice trays, pissing in them. <laughs> and I always remembered that scene, but I can never remember what the movie was. I fucking Googled it and found it out, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I never seen you, Hot Dog. I just think when you watch when you watch a sex comedy, you know what you're going to get. They're all pretty much cut, cut and paste. Mm-hmm. They just take a bunch of horny teens this time. It's in a snow ski mountain, fast times. It's in a high school. Mm-hmm. You know, the last American Virgin is, you know, those are the three peak. Well, it really was Porky's fast times. The last American Virgin was like the three huge, huge sex scene comedies in the eighties. that got the ball rolling. And then we started to see all these other films come out because they were pretty popular and they made a shit ton of money. Um, you know, it's one that you have to watch with a group of people, like a lot of these movies, of course. And, uh, you know, it's cheesy stupidness, to be honest. But I gave it a five. It is what it is. Hot Dog, the movie. There's a, the sequel, Hamburger, the movie. I've never seen it. But oh, really? I there is a sequel that. called Hamburger, the movie. Hmm. Okay. So what after that? Uh, the most disappointing film of the festival, we have Darlin, the third film in the woman Which is one series. that you were hyped for. Very hyped, very excited to see it. I rewatched Offspring, which is an absolutely horrible film, and The Woman, which is fucking awesome. Um, now, who the hell directed this? The Woman. She did it? Pollyanna McIntosh. No shit. She directed it. Uh, first time director. Um, ah, man, the narrative. Why does it have so many problems? It's, it's so, okay, basically. Tell me what it what it, it's about. Like, what does it do? Like, it just so picks up after follow, the first film. No, it picks up like uh, ten years after the first film, where we follow woman, the woman, and darling. Darling was the little girl in the woman who escapes at the end with her sister and that other crazy dude. So um, the the older sister from the woman, something happens to her. She's not around anymore. And the other dude, something happens to him. He's not around anymore. So it's basically the woman and Darlin. Uh, Now, Darlin is 16 years old. And um, basically, um, she is hit by a car and she's brought to this uh, Catholic hospital and she is ultimately um, – she recovers and she's sent to this home – this woman home ran by this bishop and these nuns <coughs> and they're going to try to tame her into being a good girl. Here we go. It's the same fucking movie as The Woman, but instead of a family trying to tame the woman, it's a group of bishops and nuns trying to tame Darlin, the girl from The Woman. Uh, 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 it's just <laughs> what was that noise? <laughs> it's, it's just frustrating because the film is not well written. It's fucking The Woman, but instead of The Woman, it's Darlin being fucking trying to be, uh, you know thrown into society and trying to be normalized and of course because it's in a church setting there has to be a pervy bishop like come on why do we always have to have a fucking pervy bishop in a church setting it's so fucking generic like i understand the church 
you know, the church has problems with the priests sexually molesting, you know, little boys and girls. But it's like, why do you have to fucking throw that in there? Why? I understand. Why do you have to have a pervy priest? It's just fucking stupid. I'm, I was just so disappointed with this movie. And, uh, you know, and the woman, the things that happens and the interactions that she has – She's not the main character. Darlin is the main character, but we see the woman every once in a while because she's trying to find Darlin and, and trying to find where she is. And the interaction that he has with some of these other characters is absolutely ridiculous because if you've seen the offspring and the woman, she wouldn't have any interactions with any of these other people. She would fucking bite their faces off and kill them, but she doesn't do that. So it, she's like tame now then. But she's not tamed because she still eats people and – it's 10 years after the woman and she clearly wasn't tamed at the end of the woman because she fucks everybody up. So nothing clearly happened to her, but she's having like interactions with normal people and things like that in this movie. And it doesn't fit the character Hmm. and it's just frustrating. It is a very frustrating film. If you're a fan of the woman, because I just feel like they don't follow any of the things that was positive in that movie. Like the end of the woman it could have gone to so many places and it could have been super interesting with the direction that they take it, but they take it into a direction that's so similar to the woman that I just feel like the film falls on its face right off the bat and it doesn't pick up and it doesn't really do anything that interesting throughout the rest of the narrative. I just feel like it falls right on its face right from the start of the film and it doesn't save itself. Now, I just want to say that though, but the film is really, really beautiful. It's a really, really well-made, technically uh, positive film. The film is really, really nice to look at. The direction's really good. Everything is good in that department, but the film just falls on its face narrative-wise. I know Jason Lloyd has the same problems with it when he saw it. I was talking to him about it. And I know he has the same issues with it when, when I checked it out. I just feel like this movie is not good. It is not a good film. It's unfortunate because <clears throat> I think the woman did a lot of interesting things. And that narrative felt very fresh. And you know it, it had the girl next door kind of feel, which of course makes sense because it's a Ketchum book. But it just has – it just had a very interesting kind of narrative to it about trying to tame the woman and making her not a cannibal. And I feel like this movie just does the same thing with the girl that she runs away with at the end of the film and she's thrown into a priest in a a girl's home, a Catholic girl's home, instead of a crazy family home. I don't know. I just thought it sucked. I really did think it sucked. Um, I gave it a 5 out of 10. um, And the only reason why I gave it that high rating is because it's technically well made and it's technically not a bad film i just thought the story sucked and uh, yeah i was disappointed quite disappointed hmm. and that's why i wonder if lucky mckee stayed and watched it he gave a q a after oh did he work on the film his producer oh okay all right uh but uh what? She, they wanted to have more connections to the woman the woman like they wanted to bring characters back from the woman like they wanted to bring the father back yeah um and things like that but she wanted it to be like a standalone film so you didn't have to see the woman to go and check it out so if you're watching it and he pops up like you don't have to be well first in that film to know who he is and the backstory and all that so they cut him out it's like bitch please 
You yeah, have Darlene. See, well, then why make a sequel to the woman? Yep. You know what I mean? Like, I yep. hate when people say that. It's like, well, then why do that? Why make that movie then? Yeah, if you don't want to have continuity, continuity, ha ha ha, to the other films, like, what's the point? Like, you bring Darlin back and you have to see the woman to know who Darlin is, pretty much. Technically, you don't have to see the woman to see this movie because they don't really explain who Darlin was or where she came from. So if you just watch this movie as a standalone, you perfectly follow the narrative and everything like that. But it just doesn't really have any, like, throwback or callback to the woman or anything like that. Like, it's a standalone film if you really want well, to Well, all three of them it. are kind of standalone. I agree. I just wish that since this film is being kind of uh, touted as the sequel to The Woman, I just wish it had a little bit more play on that movie. Mm. I just thought it was the same fucking movie. I just <laughs> thought I just thought that. And uh, I was hella disappointed, man. I, I was I was sad. Okay, so was that the final of the night? Nope. We had one of the best movies of the night. Well, one of the best films of the festival after that. And this is a film coming out from um, – who released like uh, – the ones who released that movie that I gave a bad review and they didn't like it. Uh, they released – Bone Tomahawk. Uh, give me a sec. I'll come up with the name. Uh, RLJ. They are putting out this film. Uh, it's called Satanic Panic. Okay. This movie is a fucking blast. This is another dark comedy, um, satire kind of film. So we follow this pizza girl. Um, you know, she's down on her luck. She has no money. And one day she gets a delivery to like this rich rich neighborhood and the house that she's delivering pizzas to uh, is being uh, there's a meeting going on with a you know the neighbors of this community and they're all satanists and they're all trying to um, make the you know the generic trying to make the son of satan being born but they need a virgin and the pizza lady is the virgin so it's this it's it's a dark comedy super funny Really, really awesome effects. Um, I don't really know how to talk about it and review it because it's just a film that I had a really, really great time. I was laughing so, so hard. Jerry O'Connell have has a ca- uh, a cameo in this film, um, and it's just absolutely fucking hilarious. It is super, super funny. The effects are really, 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 really good. It's bloody. It's gory. It's over the top. Uh, it's campy, um, you know. It has all these different um, things going on in the film. Like the narrative, sure, it's like not the most original, but it's fun. The movie is fucking fun. You get a few buddies, you pop it on, you're gonna have a goddamn good time. And um, and the and the energy in the audience during this movie was definitely some of the highs that I've that I felt during the entire festival. People are really into this movie. It was super, super funny. I highly recommend you guys check this one out when it comes out. <coughs> I think it's like Death Gasm. You know, it's that kind of realm that um, it's just a super fun kind of film. Grab a few buddies, you know, and watch it. Check it out. You're going to have a good time. I have a feeling they'll probably wait to release this one closer to Halloween because it has that Halloween kind of feel to it. And the... Uh, 
the main girl who plays the pizza delivery girl, she is very, she has a very reminiscent look to Alexandria Denargio, who of course was in Texas Chainsaw. And uh, she has some of the nicest boobies I've seen on a broad in a long time. Uh, <laughs> she's wearing low cut. You don't see her tits, but she's wearing like a low cut shirt. But she has huge boobs, like absolutely ginormous boobs, very much similar to Alexandria Denardio's boobs. And uh, she has like those blue eyes, very similar. If you look her up, look her up. Haley Griffith, she looks exactly like Alexandria Denardio 10 years ago. You know, she has a very similar kind of look to her. But um I give this one an eight. It's a really, really fun, fun, fun film. I think people are really going to like this one. They're going to have a good time. I have a feeling Moods is going to absolutely love this movie and uh, should be able to check it out pretty soon. It should be coming out pretty soon. It's fun. All right. So that was day three. Day three. So what's up with day four? What would you eat for day four in the morning? Uh... This was like, what time did it start? It was this the day that you went and got your car fixed. Yeah, so like the first like hour and a half of the day was like a block of short films. They showed like 10 short films. They had two short blocks. The first short block was like a psychological, ghostly kind of films. And the second block was like, you know, rock and roll, gore, crazy kind of shorts. So you know, two different kind of blocks of shorts. So this this block of shorts was like more slow burn, atmospheric uh, kind of shorts. Uh, I'm not going to review them because yeah. <laughs> I've watched like 12 of them in a row. They're like eight minutes long, hard to review. But uh, support shorts, you know. Uh, these people make amazing, amazing quality films. They just happen to be eight minutes long and uh, – I respect the hell out of people who make shorts because if it wasn't for shorts, you know, all these filmmakers usually start making shorts before they make features. So mm-hmm. <coughs> they're just amazing ideas. They just happen to be eight minutes long, you know. Give short films a chance. You know, short films are awesome. But uh, the first feature of the day was the film that won the audience award of the entire festival comes from the motherland russia and it's called why don't you just die um this film has if you guys have seen um the f- film carnage from roman polanski it has a very uh uh similar kind of feel because the film just takes place in one apartment room and uh, russia is a very interesting place when it comes to their uh, when it comes to their films because if you don't know the uh, rules in Russia when it comes to filmmaking is you could be as, as violent as you want if you want to shoot people's stomachs open, drill holes in people's legs with saws and drills and everything like that. You could totally do that, but you can't swear. If you swear, you have to bleep. And uh, it's pretty interesting watching a film where you know somebody's getting their stomach blown open with a shotgun, but you can't say fuck. If you say fuck, you got to bleep it. And uh, this movie had lots of bleeps. So it's like, why the hell do you put swear words in your movie if you know fucking Putin is going to bleep them? And uh, even if they, you know, show them over here, still got the bleeps in them. And uh, even in the subtitles, they're bleeped. So um, it's pretty interesting. You could say, like, ass, 
but can't say bastard, can't say fuck, can't say douchebag, can't say certain words. And that's like a new rule. I think that was like last year or a year before uh, they put that censorship law into place. But Man, I'm glad I live in America. I think about that all the time. <laughs> You really like you really do appreciate where you live watching all these like world films or films that come from countries that have dictators or you know communist countries. You just realize like man, we bitch about stupid shit. Like our problems are nothing compared to other people's who lives in like these in these countries, but you realize like you know, they still they still have things like we do. They still have cinema and they still have you know gory films they just have to bleep fucking swear words because their leader is an idiot but this movie is fun it's definitely influenced by uh, people like edgar wright quentin tarantino those kind of guys basically follow this guy uh, andre um he is like this um this corrupt russian cop uh he's just a bad dude and his girl and his daughter is dating this guy who is sent to kill him. So his this cop's daughter is sending her boyfriend to go kill him because he has a lot of money hidden somewhere that he stole from the police department. And um, it's it's hard to review this movie because, like I said, it all takes place in one room. It's just over the top violence, like insane violence. It's a super, super dark, funny written script. Uh, the story is really, really funny. All these people are just absolutely scumbags. Uh, the detective's a scumbag. His daughter's a scumbag. His partner is a scumbag. Uh, the boyfriend who's sent to kill the detective's a scumbag. His wife's a scumbag. And just all these, all these awful people coming together just to take this money that's hidden in this house is this it's this interesting it's 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 a fun movie um you know it 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 has its uh positives and it has its negatives you know it it it's fun and i think that's why i won the audience award because this is a a film that's funnier than it should be you know we have all these awful people killing each other and it's funny <coughs> I know Don and Nelly checked this film out, and uh, he gave it a good review. I know that other people who have reviewed it have also given a good review. Uh, it's hard to review. It's it's a fun movie. I gave it a seven and a half out of ten. Um, you know, it, it's fun. It is a fun movie, and uh, check it out when it comes out. It's from Russia. Not too many films come out of there that see the light of day in other countries. So. Uh, it's fun. Cool. Now we have the main event. The main event of the festival. This was day three. Three. The world premiere of the gore cut of Tammy and the T-Rex. So if you don't <laughs> know what Tammy and the T-Rex is, this was the first film that uh, Denise Richards and Paul Walker were in. And um, Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite is in it. Uh, John Franklin, who plays John Franklin, is uh, Isaac Isaac from Children of the Corn. He's in this film, uh, so it has all these like people that we know. So this, so this was made as a this film was made as so they shot it as a horror film. Uh, they had they shot all these 
over-the-top gore effects, like super bloody effects. But after they shot the film, the distributors decided to um, cut the film in a way that made it into a teen comedy. So they cut out all the gore effects. They cut out all the scandalous nudity and other things that would make it an R-rated film. And they released it as a PG-13 teen comedy. And it came out on VHS. A lot of people saw it on VHS. But this year, somebody found the original footage and they pieced it together and they released it on 35mm as Tammy and the T-Rex, the gore cut, the way that the film was actually shot. (laughs) So... Uh, you know, it's a work print, you know, it's, it's, you know, a work in progress print. Um, all that it was called Tanny and the T-Rex T A N N Y. Uh, and it just has things like that, but, um, it has all the gore footage in it. Uh, it adds all the scandalous nudity back into it. Uh, at the end of the film, Denise Richards does like a, like a four minute strip tease, and uh, in the original cut of the film, it's like a minute long. They cut out all this stuff. But in here, it's like uncut. And um, uh, this film is going to be a new cult classic when it comes out. Uh, people are going to rediscover this movie and absolutely lose their shit. People are going to lose their fucking shit when they see this movie. <laughs> Not because it's like it's an absolutely awful, 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 awful fucking movie, but – it's a fun fucking movie. And when you see it with 800 people in a packed theater, nobody's seen the movie before. That's what's fun about it. No one's ever seen it before. No one knows what it's going to be. You don't know how outrageous the effects are going to be. You don't know how crazy the, the gore is going to be. So it was just the most fun I've ever had in a movie theater. Like It was so loud from people laughing and screaming and things like that. I couldn't hear the goddamn fucking dialogue coming out of the speakers on the screen because it was so loud. People were just having so much fun. It was just some of the best atmosphere I've ever felt watching a movie before. And I've seen a shit ton of movies. I've seen a shit ton of like fun cult films before. It topped Rocky Horror Picture Show, and that's like the ultimate interaction film. I mean, it was just so, 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 so fun. Now, according to them, they're never going to screen the print again. This was a one-time thing. Uh, it was 35 millimeter. You know, they were never. This was the original negatives. They were never going to screen the negatives again. But they've already been scanned, and they've already cleaned them up. They already did everything they're going to do, and they're going to release it on Blu-ray coming up in October going to release it on blu-ray i don't know who's going to release it but it's going to come on the blu-ray and uh you guys are going to be able to check it out for yourself and it's a going to be a newly rediscovered cult classic because the film was you know absolutely forgotten about nobody remembers it if you even want to get a copy of it on vhs you're gonna to have to pay close to 100 bucks and um it's a bad film, definitely a film of its time, but it just has so many crazy, weird-ass fucking things. Basically what happens is – now I'll get into the narrative. Um, Paul Walker gets kidnapped by this mad scientist. Uh, Denise Richards is his girlfriend, 
And basically what they do is uh, this mad scientist is obsessed with trying to bring this giant uh, animatronic T-Rex that he has to life. And the way that he's going to do it is he's going to kill Paul Walker and take his brain out of his head and transplant it into this animatronic T-Rex. And that's what ultimately happens. And from there, crazy shit starts to fucking happen with a huge fucking giant animatronic T-Rex. Basically what happened is uh, somebody called the director of this movie and was like, yeah, I had this giant animatronic T-Rex for a week. And the director was like, I'm going to make a movie. So he, write it, <laughs> he wrote a script in two days, went down, shot the film in like a week or something. And um, that was that. So it's it's a crazy fucking movie. I had a fun blast. Once again, another film that you can't rate because it's it's a horrible, horrible film. But you got to see it for yourself, man. It is. It's 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 a strange film. Definitely a film of the time. And uh, I can't think of any other films where we have Denise Richards falling in love with Paul Walker, whose brain is inside a giant animatronic T-Rex, who's cut out from a guy who is a mad scientist, and his henchman is John Franklin from Children of the Corn. And uh, he kills Pedro the Pizza Man in his first role. I mean, it's so funny seeing fucking Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite show up in this movie because it's like he's an unknown, like, pizza boy. And it's his first film. Um, yeah, I can't wait for people to see it. I know a lot of people are excited to check this film out. Uh, I, the positive... Uh, response to me talking about it on the 22 Shots page. It seems like a lot of people were excited for this one. Um, I was grateful for the opportunity to see it in the way that I saw it, and um, that's why this festival kicks ass, because they do things like this. And uh, I have no idea how they convinced the person who owns the print to show it, but they did. And um, yeah, it was fun. So fun, fun, fun. release it? They don't know. They didn't say. All I know is that the print it's never going to be shown again, but it has been digitized, so it's going to come out on Blu-ray. I don't know if both cuts are going to come out on Blu-ray, but I know at least this cut is going to come out on Blu-ray soon. All right. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's going to be a newly discovered horrible film. People are going to love it. And to see Paul Walker, like this guy in front of me is like, oh, man, now I've seen Paul Walker die three times. Why do I have to see him die again? I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's just making like all these Paul Walker jokes. Like, this is a fun time. I just picked up a Fast and the Furious box set from Big Lots. Why? Dude, honestly, I just felt like it was too good of a deal to pass up. It's all eight films on Blu-ray for $10 in like a big box. And I was like, mm. doesn't that just seem like too good of a deal to pass up? You know, I don't even care about those movies. I only like Tokyo Drift, so. That's the, the one that sucks the most out of all of them. It's different. So? It's dumb. I, I like it. It has a kick-ass soundtrack. It, it's nostalgic for me. It has that 2006 feel. It's even old. It's 13 years old. I was 13 when it came out. I just, it just, uh, I don't know. Has I, that I've only seen the first three, and I like one and 
two. I like one. Two was all right, and I thought three was really weak until the cameo <laughs> at the end. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, I, I, I just, I just, I don't know. I, oh. I, I don't know why I picked it up, but I'm gonna watch them. I guess. We well, saved the worst for last. So. The worst movie of the night. The worst film is the last movie that I saw. Oh, this is it. We're we're done. We saved the worst for last. The Lurker, a super generic slasher shot in Chicago. Now, a whole bunch of the cast and crew came to see this movie, and I understand it's cool to see the film on the big screen. Work your ass off. I work in the industry. I totally understand. But please, shut the fuck up. Please. Shut the fuck under- up Friday. No, they were just like less like talking about, oh, remember when we shot that and this and that and this and that. It's like, please, bitch, shut the fuck up. I understand you worked on the movie and you're, it's a low-budget slasher and you're excited to see it, but shut the fuck up. And on top of that, the movie is ass balls. Like, it sucks. It's fucking awful. For one, uh, Scott Taylor Compton is in this movie – and she's, what, 31 years old? And she's casted as a fucking senior in high school. Bitch, fucking please. I understand that you wanted to probably have some sort of name attached to your movie. But that bitch is old. And she doesn't look like a fucking high schooler anymore. She looks like she's a 31-year-old soccer mom. Oh, God. Have you ever seen Scream? Yeah, I understand that. I understand but they uh, – I don't know. I just thought it was bad casting. And um, like I said, I understand it's a low-budget film, probably made for no fucking money. You want it to have some name attached to your movie. I just thought it was shit casting. That's my opinion. And on top of that, the movie fucking sucks. Like literally you have a slasher film, but every single kill is off screen. Every fucking kill is off screen. So they clearly didn't have enough money for the effects. So why make a fucking movie that depends so heavily on effects if you don't have the money? And why do you fucking show all your kills off fucking screen? I understand, JP, you like your slashers. I understand. And you say that you rather watch a generic slasher than a generic movie in general. But when you watch a shitty slasher movie, you just, I don't know, it's a shitty movie. It's a shitty, generic slasher. So we follow like this group of high school students. Uh, they're all like into the arts and um, the performing arts. They're all in like a theater group and they're doing their last show of this play. And um, they start to get picked off one by one. And that's basically about it. And as the film goes on, we learn a dark secret about some of the members of the theater group and why these killings are going on. And may I mention, all the kills are shown off fucking screen. And it's super infuriating. The film is – I have to sit here and watch this 74-minute slasher movie with a girl that looks like she's 32 and she's playing a fucking senior in high school. And the kills are shitty. And the movie doesn't look that good. 
and it's not well made and it's just not good. Like I understand they wanted to represent Chicago and they wanted to show a film that was made in Chicago and that had Chicago crew <coughs> that represented the city well. I just thought the film was ass. Complete and utter fucking ass balls. It sucked. It sucked. This movie sucks. I'm sorry. I understand. I understand what it is like to make a movie. I've worked on movies. I've worked on low budget films. I honestly don't think there's an excuse to have no to have all your kills off screen when you're making a slasher. Because honestly, like I like. You can look up YouTube tutorials on how to do, like, you know, semi-convincing effects for pretty cheap. At least maybe not semi, you know, like, not great, but better than nothing, right? Yep. Uh, I don't know. I just thought this movie sucked. And it's disappointing. Like I said, I understand. I don't want to bash people's movies. And, you know... Uh, you know, I don't know. I gave it a four out of ten. I thought the movie sucked. It was awful. It's definitely the worst movie that I saw. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I just thought your movie was ass balls. Okay, it happens. So it that happens. was it. That was the whole festival. That was it. There was three other days, but um, I only missed a couple other movies. But um, hopefully, we'll see them soon. But um, I thought it did pretty good. I went four days. Yeah, saw it, seventeen it, films. Yeah, that, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of films. So, uh, do you think that you know? Did you overall like? Would you say that you enjoyed it, even though you had? Because I mean, it sound from the reviews you you sat through a few me- mediocre and bad films. Do you think it was worth even sitting through those to get to the good stuff? But you or don't do you think know. Was, that's the problem. Do you, you think don't it was know too much. You don't know a film's going to be ass balls because a lot of these movies have never been shown before. No, I understand that. I'm saying, like, in terms of your personal enjoyment of the event, do you think that you uh, were, like, more miserable because you had to sit through a couple bad films? Or do you think that, you know, it was all worth it because you got to see some good stuff, too? It's all worth it because, you know, it's like... I'm just asking because I know you hate watching a lot of movies in a row. So if you were getting some, but I ones. said before though, seeing a movie in the theater is way different than seeing a movie seeing a movie on your couch. When you see a movie in the theater, they go like that, you know, they clip along, they seem a lot faster. Maybe it's the dark room, and it's you, here's it's it's you're distracted. You need to shut off your phone, shut off everything around you, and just watch the movie, and and it'll seem like it goes by as. Nearly as fast. I do agree that it's a little bit feels like it's a little bit faster in the theater, but um, I know that if I'm if I'm if I leave my phone at home and you know go you know watch movies or not at home, but you know like in another room or something, and and really like when we're doing the podcast or something, I really have to get these films watched. If I just turn off all the distractions in my life, they do go because you're like forced to watch the movie at that point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you have your phone, it's really distracting. Uh, but I just think it's fun going to watch a lot of movies that haven't screened before in the region or it's never screened before in the continent, right? 
My or biggest, the, oh yeah, America's dude. I think the screen in the world, like you don't know a movie's going to be bad. That's it's the excitement of. And it. to be honest, I've only really watched two bad movies. Yeah, this one, The Lurker, and Deadcon. Those were two like. I think bad that's movies. the most exciting aspect of what you're doing is you get to see movies before anybody else. So it's like. That's exciting alone. It makes you want to watch it. Mm-hmm. Like, those were the only two bad movies I saw. Mm-hmm. Darling, sure, it was disappointing. And the story, I felt, was ass balls. Mm-hmm. But it was still, like, a well-made movie. I was, like, excited to check it out, which you could see on July 12th, by the way. Darling comes out July 12th from MVD. They're releasing it. It comes mm-hmm. out July 12th. So you'll probably get that for free. Um, but well, Maybe you will. I don't want it for free. I already saw it, and the movie sucks. So, I don't even think know. I want to see it now. No, you got to check it out. because right. I haven't are... seen Offspring in so long, and I haven't seen The Woman since we reviewed it. The Woman's awesome, bro. I that know. Great. I gave I it a good review. <laughs> um, I feel like... I, you like two I said, were down on like it a little bit more than... I just had a really that, Oh, that was back when you always agreed with moods, so you didn't want to come out and say that you liked it as much as me. That's right. I just think it would be fun to review our reviews of some of the older films that we watched back in the day. Like, go back and watch something like Antiviral and rewatch it and listen to our review again uh-huh. and see like if we still feel like the way that we did all the way back then. Or do we feel like, oh, I feel like I feel like this now? Oh, yeah. I think that would be kind of cool, too. I do that like, sometimes. Like, like I'll go back and listen to it. Like, I was listening to <laughs> me, Moods, and Derek's reviews of um, the When a Stranger Calls films, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because, like, Moods was, like, really mean to Derek on that episode. <laughs> I think, like, Andy Fire would be fun. Like, The Woman would be fun to do it. Like, The Sacrament. Like, oh, do you still feel strongly about The Sacrament now than you did back then? Because mm-hmm. I know that you really like that film. So it would be, like, interesting to, like, yeah, and go back and listen. Then either, like, re- so. like, re-listen to the review on the show. Like, live on the show. and like Oh, give live on the show? Well, like, you I know. I don't know that would be a good idea. Because, why? Because then other people would have to sit there and listen to something they already heard. But it'd be fun. But that was it's like, like six a clip years show. ago. It's like a clip show. Like, what do we think about our old reviews? I don't know. I just think it'd be fun to like do that. But um, um, I had a good time. I appreciate the music box for having me out. Cinema Apocalypse for having me out. Mm. Being an amazing host to this festival, you know, I really do believe that. Um, if it wasn't for the music box, the film community in Chicago probably wouldn't be what it is. You know. Um, the theater just shows a lot of just, you know, I wish that somebody would do this in Pittsburgh, man. They, 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 they support art house cinema. They show independent films. They show a lot of old films. They show cult films. They do stuff like this. Uh, and you know, they have premieres with directors. They have the chance to show 16 millimeter 35 millimeter mm-hmm. 70 millimeter you know they have all the all the chance like especially 70 millimeter like not too many people around still have a setup to show 70 millimeter in the correct way and the correct aspect ratio that's why i like going to see films in an art house cinema because if something's shot in let's say four by three 
they're into that stuff, so they adjust the screen to be the right size and correspond with the aspect ratio, the way that the film was shot, stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I've been a supporter of the Music Box for 10 years. I've been going there for 10 years, and um, it's my favorite place, you know. I love going there. And, yeah, I uh, want to go there as well. I, I would love to come for the either the Halloween thing or this next year. Halloween yeah. thing's a little bit harder because it's just I, we have all always have so much stuff going on in October. Um, you know, wouldn't it be fun to come in October. Like it would be, season? it would be. I know Carly wants. I, I would rather go with Carly because I don't want to drive by myself. I, I don't feel comfortable really doing that. But um, we're going on a few adventures that are you know, multiple hours away. Like I might go visit my, might drive down to South Carolina and visit my brother this year. If not this year, maybe next year. So, um, trying to, trying to step out and drive far distances a little bit more. Um, I'm getting you'll, a little bit more comfortable with it. You'll be fine. I'm the same way. I get it. I totally get it. You know how I am. I don't like being far away. It, from it's, it's really because of freaking Pittsburgh that, that like kind of shell shocked me with driving. Cause it's so bad. It's just the design of it is so horrible. Yeah. But once you get out of sight of the city, it's like, Oh yeah, that's fine. I'm good anybody. on like straight highway. You know what I mean? It's just like driving into the city. That's sketchy to me. Yeah. Um, but I went to a convention, like my first ever one. That was pretty cool. Yeah? Yeah. Did you have a good time? I did have a good time. I was in it. I was kind of didn't even want to go, really. Carly bought the tickets for it. And I was just, I don't know, it was just a day where I didn't really feel like it because I was up late and stuff. But we went, and it was like a smaller thing, but it was really cool, man. Like, but I got to meet Tommy motherfucking Atkins. You have one coming up soon that Carly was telling me about with uh, my best friend, Sean C. Cunningham. Yeah, in um, Gettysburg. That's a rare rare credit. He yeah. doesn't do too many conventions, so I would hop on that shit too if he um, – I would be dope to get him sign my Friday the 13th laser disc because he doesn't <laughs> do too many conventions. So What else? Uh, oh. My best friend Paul – my Paul uh, fucking Rubens, fucking Pee Wee. I'm jealous about that. Yeah. Yeah. That movie came out in 85 by the way. I said you can't count it for the top 10. All right. Right. <laughs> but uh, I saw the you know so I did you see the dead don't die? I was gonna see it tomorrow. Okay, check it out. Was it it's, good? It's different, man. It's it's weird. Uh, but it's Jim Jarmusch, bro. It's very, very, very fourth wall breaking. I, I didn't like that aspect of it so much, but I did like everything else. Man, Selena Gomez is kind of hot. I didn't know that. Dude, check out Spring Breakers, bro. He's um, a fox in that movie. And. <laughs> but you know what's interesting about the dead don't die is that the town that it's set in is yeah. literally he like it's right here like i'm right next to it like it's right down the road and it, it it's so weird because they didn't film it here but it's the the town is centerville and then they show a map of centerville and it has all the towns around it like my town brownsville and Hiller and Daisy Town and and it's just so weird. It's like why? <laughs> I don't know. He must be connected to it. You should well, Google it. It. It, uh, it obviously is making references to Romero because mm -hmm. Romero was Pittsburgh and but it's it's not Pittsburgh though. It's like a small town outside of Pittsburgh, which is why it's weird. But it's just, I don't know. I just thought it was really neat. Like that there was all these references to my hometown in, in this movie. I didn't even know while I was watching it. And then all of a sudden I start seeing this stuff. I'm like, that's weird. 
Um, then he yeah. started putting it together. Yeah, it was. I, I I liked it. It was pretty fun. But I thought it looked. I thought the trailer looked bad. But um, it was different. It was fun though. And then um, Toy Story Four was pretty good too. I really liked. Not that. as good as three. I'd probably agree. I probably agree. It's not as good as three. I, I I think it's probably the worst one out of the four, but I still think yeah. it's really good. It is really good. There were some moments that made me laugh pretty hard. I really like Forky. That thing is so fucking funny. Trash. <laughs> He's just like, I'm trash. trash. Uh, and yeah, Child's Play was pretty fun. I really enjoyed Child's Play. Um, very different. Very, I, I hope people see that with an open mind and don't compare it because it, it really is a completely different Well, everybody movie. going into it was like, trying to compare it before it even came out like everyone's like oh i'm not gonna see that that's gonna be trash and there's like, just no comparison because it's a completely different story other than like, the fact uh, that the character's name is andy and chucky mm-hmm. and the, and honestly like i like the the take on it it was a really cool take it was, it was i was able of... to meet uh taylor hater who's a fan of the show she's a really cool homie from chicago and i was talking to her in the bar did you ask her was, on a date no it was child's play thing she have a boyfriend and, she loves Child's Play 2. Uh, she's a huge fran- fan of the franchise like I am. I was like, oh, you going to go check it out this weekend? She's like, no, because I, I think I'm going to be disappointed <laughs> because I'm such a huge fan of the franchise and you know I grew up with it. And she's she's has it close to her heart like I do, but it's like, got to go and give it a fair shot, you know? It's different. Don't expect Child's Play like the way that we've seen it before. Expect a different movie but that's good that's the way it should be no and i 100 percent agree i think that doing it this way was perfect because it gives you it's almost like a spin-off like it's like it's like a a, 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 take the core concept of a killer doll and just do something different with it and i think it actually fits with the technology of today the the sort of way that you know hey alexa do this or what like it it completely makes sense this film couldn't really I wouldn't have bought it ten years ago, twenty years ago. It just wouldn't. You wouldn't buy the the. It just wouldn't make sense because the technology wasn't there. But I think now's the perfect time to do a film like this because the technology's there. Um, and it was just. It was, I just really. I, I thought it was like you know, more gory than I, it did. It did do bad, but I mean, it did have a smaller budget, didn't it? Yeah, but it's still bombed for what I don't know. Fourteen million's not that good. I think. No, it's Mom really made not. more money than it. Yeah, it's Blumhouse, bro. Blumhouse has the magic touch. Yeah, they really do. It's weird. Like it's Ma, very weird. Ma made more money than fucking Chucky. Ma was great too, though. I, I, th- I think I like Ma better than Child's Play, but I was happy with Child's Play. It was at least a fun movie. Um, I would like to talk just, about it more, but I just don't think. Chucky would make $2 million less than Brightburn, which is like a low-budget, nobody knows what it is kind of movie. Yeah, that's weird too, man. Yeah, it's just like, I definitely would have thought Chucky, coming back to the mainstream, would have been more popular. Well, it actually had good Thursday night previews in terms of the money it made. It it was like on pace to hit what Ma did. Um, It's funny. It's funny how that happens, man. You just never know. I'm not doing so great at box office brawl this year, but I did gain a point on moods at least. It's just interesting because if they want to make a sequel, they can't call it Child's Play Two because Universal owns Child's Play. I don't even. Yeah, yeah, they have to call it something else. They have to call it something else. Yeah, it's gonna gonna be interesting to see 
I don't know if they're going to make a sequel now because they didn't make that much money, but... Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see it tomorrow, yeah. finally. I'm excited to hear your thoughts. Um, and then I think what the next thing we have is Midsommar. There's nothing in between that, right? Uh, Annabelle. Oh, that's next weekend. No, that's Tuesday. Tuesday? It comes out Tuesday. Why? Because they wanted to compete with Child's Play. Seriously? It comes out Tuesday. So how do we predict for that? Tuesday to Sunday? I don't know. Midsommar comes out on a Tuesday, too. Well, you need to let us know how we're figuring that out, because <laughs> I don't well, know. I only have one day. What's that? I only have one day to think about it. Yeah, so think about it <laughs> tomorrow. Hmm. All right, so I guess that's it. That was uh, 16, 17 films from the Cinema Apocalypse Film Festival. I actually got to talk. More than you ever have in the entire history of the show. I did awful. That's all right. I, I tried my you best. Did fine. You did dumb stuff like not know who Guar was and not know how to say their name. Yeah, but, but that's, that's just classic me. you. Yeah, you do that every time. Uh, and then the time where you didn't know you were on mute. That's classic you too. Oh yeah, it's totally classic me. But um, hope you know. Yeah, thanks to the Music Box and the yep. owners of that for letting Jeremy cover the event um i think he did a pretty good job and actually probably watched more movies than a lot of people that got press passes um, yeah a lot of them watched them on screeners i actually sat there on my ass and i watched now them, but... if there was screeners why couldn't i have watched them i don't know don't you think that would have been a good idea so then i could have talked about them with you <laughs> would you watch seven not every movie was well, screen. whatever was available, maybe I might have. Maybe next year if I don't go. But I didn't even think about it because I was just going to go anyway. So, I... yeah, that's All my right. fault. I'll be yeah. responsible for that. All right. Well, anyway, so I hope you guys enjoyed this two and a half hour uh, special episode. So, in 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 uh, roundup, look out for the swerve. Look out for the lodge. Look out for satanic panic. And uh, look out for films. Those were the four big films. And look out for Tammy and the T-Rex when it hits. Blue. Well, Tammy and the T-Rex, <laughs> yeah. That movie's not good, but uh, it's definitely the funnest time that I had. Well, but... I got sore, for, sore. I got four solid films to look forward to checking out. It sounds like so. Let's let's do it. I, I, I'm sure that if they hit before the end of the year, we'll probably talk about them. And I'm, I'm I probably will still see Darling. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that people shouldn't check it out. I have a feeling people are going to watch it and be like, "What the fuck's he talking about? He's stupid." But <laughs> I just feel strongly. Wouldn't be that, the first time. I just feel strongly that this, the 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 narrative shit. But I can't talk about it because only me and Jason Lloyd have seen it. So gotta wait till July 12th. Three more weeks. Two more weeks. Then everybody else will have seen it already, and then we can talk about it. Alright, so I hope you guys enjoyed, and uh, not sure, we don't have an episode planned as of right now, but... Uh, I want to do Deep Blue Sea 1 and 2. Yeah, he wants to do Deep Blue Sea 1 and 2, which I'm actually supposed to watch those coming up here for a podcast, so that would actually... Be for benefit. what? The, the 90s show that I'm doing with Duncan and them, Deep Blue Sea what? is one of the titles for 98. Okay. But, yeah, that would actually... 
help me. Um, which I need to know. It Mood said he would look at his schedule and see. It doesn't sound like he has anything available until August, but he might have something in July. So we'll see. Okay. All right. All right. So. Bye. Peace Buy out. Buy a guys. t-shirt. Buy a t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, we've sold. A, you need to do inventory. See how many we have left. Um, but yeah. At least fifty-five. At least fifty-five. Really. You sure? We sold at least 55. Oh, we sold it. I was about to say, I don't think we have 55 left. Oh, we sold at least 55. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed, and we'll see you guys next time. Peace. Bye.